Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit gemrate.com. It's free. Sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and valuing your cards. Use the app to build your collection and buy and sell with other collectors. Turn the hobby into your side hustle. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and Anything else, Drew Pelto from Austin, not Austin, I did it again, Arlington, Texas. How many times do I do that, Drew? From Arlington, Texas. I'm going to tattoo it tattoo it on my wrist so I can't uh, forget it. <laughs> Want to talk about it. It is season five, episode 32, August 12th, 2023. It is going to be a nice 82 degrees here in Boston, Massachusetts. And how about in Arlington? Um, it is going to be up in the hundreds yet again. I mean, we're looking probably about 105, 106, I think today, something like that. We're going to give you the weather every time because that's the only thing we really know. We know weather and we know cards. That's it. We do not know football. We we can look up and read a digit. We we can look look up and read a digital thermometer reasonably well. That's, that's one of our, one of our skills there. Well, I I think we're going to bypass football picks this year. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's uh, we did not have that skill, so probably no, no. We've learned we, we two years we did horrible. We maybe even three years, but we haven't done well on the football picks, and no one's clamoring for it. So if you think mm-hmm. that we should do football picks, and Drew and I are very much against continuing it, but if the audience wants it, we will give it to you. But what do you have to do, Drew? Beg us, beg us, and send beg us, us an hard. email to TTMcast at yahoo.com all right guys my name is jeff baker i'm talking to you from boston massachusetts sunny beautiful boston going to the red sox game today against the tigers i get to see my matt manning who's on my my uh, fantasy team pitch against brian bellow who's uh, one of the rookie rookie uh guys you want i think he, he's uh, he's gonna stick around and on the other end of the line the 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 part the man with the voice we'll just call him the voice his name is true pelto he is from ready Arlington, Texas. There we go. Austin, Arlington, which is right near Dallas and right near Fort Worth. And that's why he is DFW Graffer. He -hmm. is on YouTube. He has great videos on YouTube. If you are not watching his YouTube videos, you're missing out on a good, I don't know, 20 minutes to a half hour of entertainment, right, Drew? Yeah, yeah, I keep it fairly, uh, fairly digestible there as much as I can every week. So I know, and you always have guests. Guests, you get you get Aubrey on there every once in a while. If you yep. watch, sometimes Drew does play by play, which is worth the price of admission. But you know what? You don't have to pay ten dollars to listen to Drew's videos to watch mm-hmm. Drew's videos. You don't have to pay five dollars to watch Drew Drew's videos. They are F R E E free. So make sure you I eat the cost by going out and buying a ticket to a game, paying myself to get in there, and you guys reap some degree of benefit off of it that's right my so loss sure you, is your gain make sure you follow him and watch his videos because you know he, he's got to eat you know and if he doesn't get yes. his he doesn't get his his viewership up youtube doesn't pay him any money right yeah, yeah all right exactly. i mean 
I, I to be to be fair though, I haven't gotten a dime out of YouTube yet. So I I uh, yeah, I'm 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 relying on ramen noodles right now. I have been for the last three years now. So. But you do it for fun, love and fun, just like just like just like we do this podcast. Drew Drew writes articles for free. He does podcasts for free. He does his uh, all all his videos for free. I think Drew's gonna have to get a can out or something. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, you're listening to this nationally ranked sports podcast. As I said, my name is Jeff Baker, and Drew Pelto is on the other end of the line. Uh, I've got a couple of things just to, to talk about this week so far. Uh, I met up with uh, Ted and Don at um, Ted, Ted uh, Man from Collects at the National, and he was showing me this great software that that they they purchased last year. It's called Car Dealer Pro, and the guys he, Ted set me up on in it. So what I'm going to do is I'm I'm uh, I'm scanning all my cards into this Car Dealer Pro, and I'm going to inventory all my stuff. Basically, just take a bunch of cards, scan them in and uh, pictures and all the other cool stuff. And I will let you know how it's done. I, I, I've done, I did my training this week and I, pra- I practiced with a couple and I'm really looking forward to uh, getting some some of my collection inventoried. And I know I've been talking about that incessantly for what, a month, I uh, know a couple months, right, Drew? Yeah, yeah. So I am beginning to start. Also, I went to the Red Sox game on uh, Wednesday with a friend of mine. And we went and saw the Red Sox win, and uh, they won four to three against the Kansas City Royals. Got to see Bobby Witt Jr. He played; he had a pretty good game. I got to see a couple of my fantasy guys, and they had good games as well. And all in all, it was a pretty good game. Ken Kel, Kensley Jansen almost blew it, but he did not. He let up a home run in the bottom bottom of the uh, top of the ninth to make it a four three instead of four two. But they they won the game, and he got the save. And then I'm going to the game today against the Tigers. So we're nice. we're sitting up in the Pavilion Club. So I don't think we'll get any foul balls or any shots for any autographs. But it'll be fun. Uh, looking forward to going to the game with my wife. So uh, I've had a pretty I got a pretty uh, quiet week in terms of collecting stuff. I didn't purchase anything. I've been I'm watching a couple things on eBay because I got ten dollar coupon from. Uh, ebay at the national so I'm, i've got that that's burning a hole in my pocket and i picked up some of the um the mag the one touch the magnet one touch i just got a, a pack of the uh 25 of those from amazon so that is what my collecting week has been like drew how has your, your your week been so far or how was your been, week yeah it's been pretty decent i mean going back to last week i've actually done quite a bit of uh, in-person graphing if you saw my video on youtube you saw that i went to the Rangers and Marlins game last Saturday, right after we recorded the show. And I did all right there. I mentioned this on our, uh, on our Wednesday show that I was able to get Sandy Alcantara, Jorge Lopez and Jesus Luzardo all for my uh, 21 heritage minors or heritage set, not the minors, the regular set. Um, originally I was planning on going to a game today, but ended up having to move that up because uh, Cleburne was supposed to do their team set giveaway back in May, right? The start of the season. And they didn't have them for whatever reason, and I'd never heard that they didn't give them away or anything like that. So I was sitting there thinking, oh, geez, you know, I missed out on their team set. And then a friend of mine says, hey, yeah, they're doing their team set giveaway on Thursday this week. I'm like, wait, that was supposed to be back in May. He says, yeah, I guess they didn't do it then, so they're doing it now. They literally announced a week beforehand, but I was able to get out there and got the team set right there, sponsored by Dairy Queen, as you can see up in the corner there. But yeah, I was able to get the team set. Haven't gotten it autographed yet, but hopefully I'll be working on uh, working on that here at some point. So I'll get out to another game and get those done. But 
On Thursday, I spent most of my time concentrating on the visiting team, the Lake Country Dock Hounds. Okay. Several former, uh, several former major leaguers that were all involved there. I missed out on two of them because Juan Hillman, who used to be in the uh, Cleveland organization, was the starter that day. So he didn't. I didn't ask him before the game, and then he bolted for the clubhouse back around the ninth inning or so. So I wasn't able to get him at any point. Uh, I also missed out on uh, Thomas Jones, who's an outfielder who used to be in the Marlins organization. Yeah, I remember he, him. What? Yep, he wasn't in the starting lineup at all. And uh, I saw him come out like right after the national anthem. So it's like, well, too late to ask him now. And then I never saw him go back to the clubhouse at any point, but he did at some point. So I never saw him after about the six. I got up around the fifth inning to go grab food and came back and never saw him again after that. So he had to have uh, left at some point during there. But I did at least manage to get uh, Ken Huckabee, their manager, who's played for a yep. bunch of teams. He was Blue Jays, Red Sox, Rangers, few yeah, other squads in there. He wasn't very uh, Red- good. Yeah, he was definitely a uh, definitely a career backup there, but uh, he at least signed the one card that I had of him. So I him. remember he couldn't hit at all. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, maybe a two twenty something hitter. Catcher, or was he a catcher? Yep, yeah. he was a catcher. Yes, That's he went out. I think he was the Blue Jays manager for a bit too after uh, after his career. He was probably a better uh, manager than player. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Not but to uh, besmirch Ken Hackaby, but <laughs> yeah, he went a lot farther than you and I. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, yeah, he's significantly more major league games than I ever got into. So. <laughs> good, good for him on that. Uh, who else we got? We got Reggie Harris, who I mentioned uh, last week that I'd yeah. probably be seeing him and he was there former A's pitcher and a couple of teams, Red Sox draft pick in 87. Uh, let's see. Got Paul you have Wagner. Reggie sign? I have a bunch of early nineties cards that he uh, inked up for me there. So let's see here, which ones? Well, I'll show you the one right off the top of the pile here. I've got a couple of them there, but there's is 90 Bowman and 91 Donruss cards at the very oh, least. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I like the Bowman card. That's a nice card. Yeah, I think that's his. That's technically his rookie card right there on that one. So, Drew, you'd be proud of me. I don't have any more piles. I put them all. I put all my stuff away from the national. Like put all my TTMs away. That's what nice. I was doing this week. I, I'm trying to get organized. No more piles. Yeah, yeah. I need to photograph all these ones I just got in. So I'll hopefully, <laughs> hopefully get those photographed and put up so that'll condense a little bit of this. But. Who else we got? Uh, Paul Wagner, who's the pitching coach. I was a little surprised to see him because he didn't travel with them last season at all when they came to Cleburne. But I uh, got him on a few cards, so he was really cool about it. Uh, Blake Tiberi, who is a former Mets prospect, got him on four cards. He was in 2016 Bowman, I think it was. Uh, Curtis Terry, who's played up in the majors with the Rangers and the Twins, and uh, actually got him last year on the road trip. I saw him in Indianapolis when they were playing at home against... Uh, against St. Paul. He was in AAA with the Twins at that point. And Franklin Kilome, who is a uh, former Mets and Nationals prospect, got him on his uh, 21 Heritage card right there. Oh, nice. With Ali Sanchez. What the really Sanchez, is kind of pissing, what, what's pissing me off right now is, well, I should have had him. Uh, I should have had Sanchez last year. That's what's pissing me off about this right now was uh, I uh, Sanchez was in Toledo last year. He's part of the uh, Tigers organization. I think he's over in the D-backs org now. But uh, I think he had gotten called up to the Tigers at one point and then sent back down. And when I looked at the roster, he was not on the roster because he gotten moved up or moved somewhere at least. And so I pulled all my cards for uh, when we were in Toledo. We get inside and uh, Ali Sanchez is walking around there. I'm like, crap, I think I've got a card of him sitting out in the car. And I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe I'll get lucky. He won't sign or anything. I won't miss anything. Oh, no, he walks over and signs for everybody oh. there. And so I was thinking, 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 well, whatever. I mean, Kilome is a because uh, Kilome is a Mets prospect. Mets Mets prospects typically are a little bit tougher. Like Mets and Yankees and Dodgers prospects seem to sign a little bit less than some of the other teams. 
So I'm thinking, well, okay, no, he probably won't sign because he was in Harrisburg and got moved up from Harrisburg up to Rochester. We were going to see Harrisburg. And I'm like, yeah, well, well, I won't see Kilome now. So, oh, well, I mean, it's not going to get that double ever completed anyways. And well, here we go. And I get Kilome here and I'm without Sanchez after having a chance on him. But... <laughs> Doesn't it burn your gears? Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah it does. Everything and I've, that and I've done that gone right times. didn't. <laughs> And I've done that too many times, but hopefully maybe Sanchez will come through somebody else in AAA and I can get him up in, you know, up in Oklahoma City or down Round Rock or something like that. But uh, what else? Uh, I got an eBay uh, pickup from Travis Blankenhorn that should be coming in next week. He was uh, it's another one of the uh, 21 Heritage cards. Uh, great thing is I got it for 350 including shipping. So that's a pretty nice deal right there to add one to the set. I uh, also had a trade picked up uh, autographs for the 1989 Topps hockey set. Or 8889 nice. Top Saki set with uh Steve Duchesne and Pat Verbeek picked up both those. So I'm up to I think Drew, who are the big rookie cards in that set? Oh god, there's so many in there. That's um Brett Hole's rookie card is in there. Maybe that's um, why. Because yeah, I, I told Brett you I was gonna Joe buy a box, but they wanted a hundred bucks for it. Yeah, because yeah, you've got Brett Hole, you've got Joe Newendike, you've got um it's they've got the famous Gretzky one where he's holding up the jersey after getting traded to the Kings. Yep. And what was the other one? Um, Gretzky Neuendijk and uh, Bob Probert is another one that's in there. And uh, recent Hall of Famer, Pierre Turgeon. Oh, okay. So quite a few big names in there as Hall of Famers, as uh, rookie cards. That's why I, I'm like, I don't want to spend $100 for, for uh, how, how much is a set? Is it, what does the set go for now? Oh, a set you could probably pick up for half that at least. That's I what mean, I thought. Maybe even less than that. So, I mean, the only ones I'm missing, I, I got, you know, kind of a starter set and that stuff that I bought at the uh, Sean Allen about four or five months ago now. So I got kind of a starter set out of there and I picked up the rest of the commons all for fairly cheap. I'm just missing like some of the rookie cards, which I could snap those up for less than 10 bucks each, I think, for the most part. Yeah, so. I would think so. So, yeah, that's everything I got in for the week there. But, uh, yeah, I got a couple of TTMs we'll talk about later on, too. But, yeah, that's how it's gone. Pretty good. Hey, you know, I haven't I haven't watched Detroit Tigers. Uh at all really this year you know that, that they're not one of the teams i follow you know right, but I, right. I watched them yesterday they played the red Sox, and i watched uh the, it was really sad miguel cabrera just watching mm-hmm. him hit he his he's a big he's a big guy to begin with and he, anything on the outside of the plate he can't catch up with anymore and it's sad yep. uh, i know he just passed tony gwynn for uh hits and i think he's gonna pass there's one other i don't forget who he's gonna pass somebody pretty good yeah. Um, but it, it's really sad to see somebody who's he's played 20 years, who was a, yeah. such a great hitter and a great player to kind of, he's only got one home run this year. Yeah. And he's it. played a lot, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's, they're still keeping him as an everyday player. They're just, you know, giving the final, uh, final go around there, but yeah, it's like watching Babe Ruth as a Boston brave. Does he, yep. does, um, uh, Miggy sign, does he a signer through, no, I not, he doesn't sign through the mail, but you know, at, yeah. at the park, was he ever a, a signer? He finally started doing it the last couple of years or so. I mean, before that, he was almost impossible. I tried to get him a couple of times when he was with the Tigers back in the early 2010s, and he wouldn't even look at you. I mean, occasionally, like for a couple of Spanish speakers, he'd come over and sign for them. But for the most part, he wasn't looking at anybody. And now, last couple of years, I've heard he'll usually sign at least one day at each park that he plays in. So I missed out on him this year and last couple of years there. But yeah, hopefully, I mean... Maybe eventually he'll be able to get trade for him or something. I think he's going to be one of those easy guys when oh, once yeah. he retires, don't you? I think I he's just. I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be. He's going to live off being Miguel Cabrera, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he'll he'll still probably command you know over a hundred dollars an autograph, but he'll at least be accessible. I bet. Yeah, I think so too. All right, but we have a really fun show for you guys this week. We have uh, Clemente Lise joins us to review the national. We also talk uh, of all things women's World Cup, and um, we also talk a little collecting too. So Clemente Lise is coming up. We we love having Clemente on. He's on every month. And then we have Wally Wonder Jones, who played in the ABA in the NBA. He was uh, played in the 1967. Uh, Philadelphia 76er team that won the world championship. He also played with a rookie, uh, Lou Alcindor. He also played with a 19-year-old Moses Malone right out of high school in the ABA when he played for Utah. He also played with Bob Lanier. So he played with a lot of guys. We talked to him about his career, also about signing autographs. And uh, he works with underprivileged kids. And uh, he he has a, they have a charity out of Philadelphia. It's called Shoot for the Stars Legends. And it's in Philadelphia. And if you uh, want to look it up and, and make a little donation to the kids, that is always welcome. We'll talk, we'll hear from Wally Wonder Jones uh, when we do a uh, collector's corner. Also, Wednesday, we have Daryl Carrier. Daryl Carrier played for the Kentucky Colonels and the Memphis Tams in the ABA. And he is the all time leading three point shooter in the ABA history. He has almost a 40% uh, shooting percentage in, from 3D range. And Drew, when I talk about guys that are confident, this guy thinks he can go out and beat you or Larry Bird today shooting, and I bet he could. (laughs) I know he could beat at least one of those two. He was a very confident guy, and he was a fun interview. That will be on Wednesday. We also have all our regular segments, right, Drew? We do. We've got Baker's Dozen covering all the news from the hobby over the previous week. We've got, uh, as you mentioned, Clemente Lisi will be joining us and uh, Wally Jones. We've got Making the Grade, covering all the news out of the grading portion of the hobby. Stamp approval, where Jeff and I give our thumbs up to whatever is on our mind from the previous week. It could be anything. You never know what you're going to get out of us. Uh, You've got the Vern Rap Minute, covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics. Anybody you might consider TTMing. If they've died, we'll try to let you know about it. And, of course, the main reason why we all are here, our TTM Returns. You are the man, Drew. Drew are the man. All right, guys. We we call this the most powerful email in the hobby, right? The most powerful email in the hobby. This is how you get a hold of us. This is how you can get on our show. This is how you can enter all our contests. This is how you can get $10 for doing nothing. Just send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Write that down, guys. Write it down. Make sure you have it. So if you want to talk to us, let us know. We love to hear from old listeners, new listeners, first-time listeners, uh, Drew's aunts and uncles and cousins. They all always tell us how great Drew is. So please send us an email. We love to hear from you. All right, Drew, I think we got all our housekeeping in order. Next up is Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com.
Baker's Dozen is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. Before, before we get into all, all the cool news, just want to remind everyone, you want $10 from Collects to spend in their marketplace to buy any card or cards you want. It's very easy. All you have to do is download the Collects app. Make sure you have it. You download it to your um, your PC or your phone. Uh, it's available in the uh, Google Play or in, in, in the App Store. Doesn't cost anything to download, anything to use. And uh, once you get your Collects username, send that to us uh, along with your email address, and Collects will send you ten bucks, ten bucks to do whatever you want, a free ten spot. Buy, you can spend in their marketplace. You can, if you want to buy a Collects T-shirt, which I'm wearing today, Drew. I don't know if you can see that. Ah, very nice. Got my Collects T-shirt on. So ten dollars from Collects, very easy. All you have to do is what, Drew? Send us an email with your collects username, your email address, all that good stuff to ttmcast at yahoo.com. That is it. And that and, and you get 10 bucks. All right. We have a contest. Contest time, contest time, contest time, right, Drew? Yes. We have I have two card cradles to give away. Two card cradles to give away. All you have to do is send me your name and your mailing address. Very important, guys. I can't give you send you your item if you don't send me your mailing address. So we're going to give those two of those away on next Wednesday's show. So you have up until, uh, what was it, 2 o'clock on Tuesday, right, Drew? Yeah. 2, two o'clock on Tuesday to enter this contest. Uh, two card cradles we'll be giving away to one, one, two to one to each list, one for two listeners. So I got two card cradles, two winners we'll have. We'll announce the winners on Wednesday. All you have to do is send us an email at to ttmcast at yahoo.com. And make sure you put Card Cradle in the subject line. All right, Drew. Hey, you know what? I, before we get into all the, the news, I just want to say it's been four days and no one has sued anyone in the hobby, Drew. Four days, no one sued anyone. Finally. Oh, so we, we, get, we, we get a break here with all this. We that get is, a break. We do not have to talk friggin' lawsuits. I hate yes. lawsuits. I, I don't want to talk about lawsuits. I want to talk about cards. I want to talk about guys. I want to talk about autographs. I want to talk about anything but lawsuits, right? Yes. yes. All right, my friend. I mean, because right. I, I can't talk about any of them. So it's like, you go into that and I just have to sit here, you know, twiddle my thumbs and bite my tongue to keep from commenting and like, yeah, all right, we're finally through that. Good. Now I can finally open my mouth again. Yay, no lawsuits this week. No more lawsuits this week, I should say, in the last four days. All right, we have some new releases to let you know about. We do indeed. The first off-the-line 2023 Panini Immaculate College Football set is out. Get six cards in one pack for this product. $1,200 will be the price tag on that, but it's Immaculate College Football. There's a lot of great stuff there in Immaculate, and first off-the-line usually has some extra cool stuff going on with it. I got a question for you before we get into more new releases and, you know, working from Panini and working on the soccer and college football stuff. Do you have a, a favorite set to work on a, fa a favorite um, brand uh, brand to work on? You know what I mean? Is there one thing yeah, I, that you, you like working on more than, than others? I like the, any kind of uh, drafts stuff like prism draft and uh, spe yeah, especially prism draft and contenders draft. Less so in uh, Chronicles. I mean, Chronicles is a great product as a collector and as a fan. As the person working on it, though, oh, my God, I despise it. But, yeah, Prism and uh, Contenders Draft are probably my top two favorites. Very cool. And I know you, you, you're you always busy around draft time and you're, you're yes. compiling photos and, and doing all sorts of cool stuff. So that's neat. Thank you. But, hey, uh, 2022 Panini National Treasures is out. 2022, that's right. 
a year behind, I guess. NFL, you get 10 cards in one pack, eight autos or memorabilia. So, so these are really nice high-end um, release, and you can get a box for $3,500. Um, my recommendation is to get involved in some type of break or just purchase the the, the player or, or, or team that you like, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, it's a, a little bit of a lottery pick, not so much as one of those, you know, one per pack things or anything like that. But yeah, it's definitely a it's a crapshoot for sure. And National Treasure, you mentioned, you know, it's, yeah, it's a 2022 set. National Treasure typically is a fairly late release in every sport. So that's yeah. right about where it usually comes out there. Right. I know because the cool the, there's a lot of cool autographs in there and there's a lot of multiple yes. autographs. So I know it takes I'm sure it takes a long time to it compile does. all those autographs and create the cards and print them and do everything. So I understand that it's just, I'm so, I, I want now, I want guys right. in, in today, exactly. today's uniforms and, and on in the right teams and, you know, right before the season starts. And that, I want, that's what I want. <laughs> oh yeah. I definitely get that. We've got a, how about a basketball release? We've got the Panini Donruss optic NBA premium box set for the 2022, 23 season. So another uh, late year offering right there. It's a 250 card set on premium card stock as the complete set that you're getting in there. $2,000 is the price tag for that one. Very cool. Hey, this one, I, I'm going to give it this one a, a thumbs down before I even talk about it, but it's the 2022, again, 2022 Tops Chrome Platinum Anniversary. Uh, you can get a hobby light box there in the 1953 Tops design. Includes a lot of former uh, players in there. It, you know, stars and and uh, Hall of Famers, as well as guys in today, but they're all on last year's uniform. So Juan Soto's on the wrong team. All you know, all the, anyone that's been traded is on a, the wrong team. Um, kind of disappointing, I would say. Uh, let tops choke on it, and when they when they go on clearance for for you know thirty dollars a box, maybe buy them. Right now, they're sixty dollars a box. That uh, editorial comment was brought to you by me. <laughs> <laughs> But I am sitting here biting my tongue once again. <laughs> 2022 Tops Chrome uh, Platinum Anniversary available now for $60. Got some uh, Tops Chrome Soccer coming out right now. The Bundesliga set for Germany. Get one autograph in each box. That'll run you $80 for the uh, Tops Chrome Bundesliga products. All right. Uh, I think Clemente Lisi will be first in line to pick those up. Uh, All yes. right, some auction news to let you know about. Uh, this is kind of cool. Type one uh, photo of Michael Jordan's uh, NBA deb debut. It was a photo that I think they use in the Chicago area for one of the newspapers. Uh, and it sold in Leland Summer Auction for $141,954. So, guys, if you're at a yard sale or you're out at uh, a card show or, or uh, you know, an antique store in this photos lying around, Take a look at them because there might be some valuable ones in there and, and you never know. Photos are, are kind of the new hot thing. So make sure you check that out. We also have a couple more uh, from the couple more results from that auction as well. Right, Drew? Yeah. I mean, if you're sitting on six figures in cash there and you're kind of having to eeny, meeny, miny, mo your options there a bit, besides that Jordan photo, could have also gotten a 1952 PSA 6 Mickey Mantle card. It went for $159,312 right there. So the, I mean, the 52 Mantle, it's one, you know, it's hit the 10 million mark for the PSA 10s right there, but a PSA 6 is still going to look pretty darn good. You can get that for uh, significantly cheaper there, that $159,000 mark. Did you see the post, sorry to interrupt, but did you, did you see the post on social media yesterday? Somebody had one of those really old vending machines, baseball card vending machines, and oh, wow. 
there was a 52 mantle in the in the, like in, in between the glass you know to promote to promote sales of the the cards and uh i mean it was you know the the machine was weathered it was weathered it'd been yeah. in there for whatever 60 70 years and the guy's like nope i'm never taking i'm not gonna i'm never taking it out of that <laughs> it's glass so but it was kind of it, it was interesting yeah i mean i geez i'd be tempted to try to get it out of there rather than uh, just let it sit there but Hey, to each his own. If he wants to, you know, as a little display piece, I guess, you know, raise the value of the machine there at least. Yeah. And another one that went into the six figures, a Joe Montana game worn jersey. He wore that in the last, I believe it was the last uh, home game of the uh, 1989 season, a Monday night game on December 18th of 89. Went on to win the Super Bowl that year, of course. That jersey went for $107,828. Guys, he's doing this right off the top of his head. He has no notes. He's just. Ah. He, he he's got it all all up there in the his, his head. He is unbelievable. All right, we have some uh, show news, right? We, I, we, we there's not many shows going on. I know the the uh, East Coast National is coming up, and um, is is there a show coming up in Dallas soon? I think there is. It seems like they've got to have one coming up here pretty soon. I, I haven't think, checked yeah. uh, their stuff yet, though. I would think so too. But we have a, a a cool show from one of our friends in Virginia. Yeah, the uh, Virginia Beach Fieldhouse is going to be hosting a show on Saturday the 19th, a week from today. So if you're in the Virginia Beach area there in you know, Virginia, North Carolina, anywhere around there, go and check this one out. They're going to have 200 vendors there. And the great thing about all this, the price of admission, nothing. Get in totally free to this show. So highly recommend you check it out if you're in the area. A lot of great autograph guests there as well. Former Negro League ball player Sam Allen is going to be there signing. You also have a couple of catchers if you're a catcher fan like I am. Mickey Tettleton will be there. Mackie Sasser is going to be there. Joe Smith from the basketball world. And a couple of former Washington running backs. Ricky Irvins is going to be there, as will Brian Mitchell. More famous as a kick returner, but played a little bit as a running back as well. Very good. That's very good. All right, guys. We are, That is it for Baker's Dozen for the week. A lot, a lot of news to talk about. Um, we're going to go right into Collector's Corner, okay, Drew? Sounds good. And now it's time for Collector's Corner. Let's hear from our collector this week. This segment is sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and cataloging your cards. Buy or sell cards on the marketplace. Turn the hobby into your side hustle today. Just behind the scenes, Drew was about to take a sip of coffee because we're recording this on Saturday morning, and he he is uh, half asleep. But we'll we'll get him going. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting right. there. I'm getting there. I got the coffee. Collector's corner, guys. I had the uh, opportunity to talk to Wally Wonder Jones, and we're going to find out how he got his nickname. Ta- he talks about all the guys that he played with, including including Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, Moses Malone. Uh, Bob uh, Bob Lanier, you name it. He's played with a bunch of guys. He is a colorful, colorful character, and uh, he's in his 80s. And I'm going to spoil alert on this one, all right, guys. He was they had they had a mural that was uh, in Philadelphia that was unveiled a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, and he was there with his family, and he has brothers and sisters there. And ready for this one, Drew? He had his 106 year old father was there. Wow. <laughs> so we talked to we talked about that. Please, you know, enjoy my interview with uh, Wally Wonder Jones. He works with uh, underprivileged kids in the Philadelphia area. Look up uh, Shoots for the Stars Legends. Um, they are in Philadelphia. If you want to help out with his cause, they're always looking for money to help other kids. But this is uh, not a, a call for donations. This is let's let's hear in my uh, fun interview with Wally Wonder Jones. 
like to like to welcome to the show a veteran of 12 seasons of professional basketball. He played for the Baltimore Bullets, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Utah Stars, and the Detroit Pistons from 1964 to 1976 out of the University of Villanova, or Villanova University. Sorry, Wally. His name is Wally Wonder Jones. Hey, Wally. Hey, good morning, Jeff. How you doing today? Very good, my friend. Hey, first I want to know, who gave you the nickname Wonder? Well, it was Chet the Jet Walker. Ah, Chet the Jet nice Walker, is, yeah, well, Chet the Jet Walker, of course, a Hall of Famer. He was on our 67 World Championship team, Hall of Famer. He's also an author. He also produced the Isaiah Thomas and Muhammad Ali story. He's a producer. And uh, when I was playing ball there, he just one day hollered out, Wally Wonder. And it <laughs> stuck with me ever since, Jeff, stuck with me. Did the, the media pick it up pretty quickly? Yes, they did. It is something that been my uh, signature all through, even when they unveiled my mural in Philadelphia two weeks ago on the wall in West Philadelphia. It has Wally Wonder Jones, and uh, that's what I'm known as in Philadelphia. Tell me about the mural, mural how that came about, and, and uh, you know, how long did it take? It's, it's a beautiful mural. How did, how did that come about, and were you, were you privy to it? Well, here's what happened. Um, I guess since 1969, um, during the problems with gangs and neighborhoods, we went to Washington, D.C., and the uh, athletes like Jabali Armstrong, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Bowman from the New York Knicks championship team, Bobby Hunter from the Globetrotters of New York, they wanted to find out what athletes could do to come back in their communities and help out. So we started – uh, African-American Athletes in Action in Philadelphia in 1969, and in New York they started uh, Each One Teach One. So to include other uh, races, we decided to change it to Concern Athletes in Action. And throughout, since 1969, we've been doing grassroots programs in Philadelphia. Uh, for the past four years, we've been doing uh, the city, the legends of the city of brotherly love, silence and violence, because we have so many depths of our young people in Philadelphia during this era. So a gentleman that in the Mantua community in West Philly, where I was raised, suggested to the art museum that they should have a mural of me. I said, well, why want to have a mural? He said, well, all the work you've been doing in grassroots with the 76ers as an alumni and youth programs since 1969, we want to honor you. I said, I don't, I don't need to be honored. Uh, they already know what I do. I, I don't need recognition. But he thought it would be a great idea to use it as a vehicle to raise money to train kids in Mantua in West Philly to stop the census killings. In other words, train young kids not to get involved with gangs or violence or drugs. So they honored me two weeks ago. Uh, over 200 people were there. A lot of people who I've worked with, Jeff, men and women, who've been working as the legends of the city of brotherly love were there, but also my dad was there, which was an honor. My sisters who uh, are former teachers, Dorothy and Jeanette, former teachers, they're real guardians of our community by being teachers. My brother from Denver came in. He used to be the Dean of students at George Washington high with Chauncey Billups. So embracing fatherhood, they recommended the Muriel and that day was Really wonderful, Jeff, 
to be there. But my father at 106 talked to the people about raising money so we could train kids to not get involved in a census killing. So it was an honor, Jeff. It was an honor. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm amazed that your dad was there. That must have been such a, a, a heartwarming thing for you and your family, and, you, and I'm sure you, your, your dad was so proud of you uh, to, to see Yes, that it, was, it was wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's get back to yeah, so a little bit. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's get, talk, get back to talking a little basketball if we can. Uh, you came oh, yeah, by, you yeah. <laughs> you played at Villanova. You were, you were a Philly guy. You you went to high school in Philly, uh, but you were selected by the Detroit Pistons. But went got, got ended up with your first season with Baltimore Bullets. How did that? Uh, how did you end up in Baltimore? Well, let me explain something. The scout for the uh, Detroit Pistons was Earl Lloyd. Earl Lloyd is the first African American to play in the NBA. He drafted me to Detroit, and they traded me. For Terry Dissinger, I think uh, Les Hunter was traded to Baltimore from Detroit. Gary Brads was uh, traded to the Baltimore Bullets. And I had an opportunity to play with some of the greats there, Bailey Howe, Walt Bellamy. Uh, You're talking about Gus Johnson. And uh, I I actually made the NBA All-Rookie Team, Jeff. And uh, it was a successful start to your career. Yeah, it was very successful. Um, During those times, you weren't making a lot of money, Jeff. And uh, here's what happened. They didn't want to pay me. So uh, I didn't want to play because I just made the all-NBA rookie team. And So what they did, they traded me for John Kerr, John Red Kerr. And I was traded to the – yeah, I was traded to the Sixers and – uh, that's where it started, where we had an opportunity to be world champions. We finally beat the Boston Celtics. They won eight in a row, Jeff, eight championships in a row. We finally defeated them, where I averaged 20 points in the playoffs against Boston, and we played the Golden State Warriors for the world championship. You know when they had Rick Barry, Al Adels, Nate Thurman, Jim King, Jeff Mullins? They had a great team. Yeah, but we defeated, yeah, we defeated them, and we have four Hall of Famers on the Sixers: Chet Walker, Billy Cunningham, Hal Grant, Will Chamberlain. But I was so fortunate to be the leading scorer with 27 points in the final game of the World Championship against the Golden State Warriors. And that team, that 66-67 Sixers team, is considered one of the best teams of all time. Yeah, we were named the NBA's greatest team for the first, I guess, 40 years. I, I don't know how to go back on that, but we were named the NBA's greatest team. Even though Boston had won eight in a row, we were 68 and 13. What, what games was it that like, year, Jeff? What was it like to go into the Garden for you at that as a, uh, as a 76er? Was the was that was did you really set your sights on beating them? Always. Everybody, now let me give you something. When we won the championship, I players from every team call us up. Thank God you stopped <laughs> that dynasty. I mean, every team member that I played against during those area called and said thank you for defeating them because people were, they dominated. Eight years in a row, Jeff, and it was a monster to play in that parquet floor, in that dungeon. I mean, it was terrible, but... Since I was in the Eastern Conference, I was used to playing against the Celtics. 
it didn't mean that much to me to go in there and compete against the best in the world. So uh, it, it was quite a, a accomplishment to uh, defeat the Boston Celtics. I was very, uh, I really liked that team. Even they wore black Converse sneaks. I asked Jack Kraft and Villanova where I became an All-American, uh, uh, could we wear black sneaks? He let us wear black sneaks nice. uh, in honor of that. I, I love the Boston Celtics. Even though I'm a Philly boy, I just like the Jones boys, Havlicek, uh, of course, Bill Russell. I, I admired that team. You played against, uh, you played with Will Chamberlain as when in his prime, and you also played with uh, a young Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, you know what? What? Did you see when you were playing uh, a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, did you see that he was going to have a great career? Well, here's what I have to tell you, because I'm the only basketball player to play with someone that was just as great as those players. There's a fellow named Walt Bellamy, okay. who was the gold medal winner, uh, All-American, All-Pro. Walt Bellamy was the first center I played with that was a seven-footer. Uh, one of the greatest centers, I played with Moses Malone, when he came out of high school, the Utah Stars. I played with Dow yep. Dawkins out of high school. I played with Bob Lanier, one of the great centers from Detroit Pistons. Chink Scott brought me there after I left the ABA. So I played with some of the greatest centers ever. But when you talk about centers like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, I mean, and Moses Malone, I'm talking about great centers. So what it gave me the opportunity to do, Jeff, was I could pick up men full court and play as hard as I could because that was my forte. And that's why I admired Casey Jones. You play against the best shooting guards. But I knew I had those seven-foot centers to back me up, Jeff. But I knew right away when I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar how great he was, not only from high school, but UCLA, where my best friend went and won the first championship for John Wooden. Walt Hazard was 30-0. and at UCLA. Wow. He was my high school teammate at Overbrook. We were 84 and 4 in high school. 84 and 4. Uh, one of my high school ball players that I played with, Wayne Hightower, 6'10, he also was on that Baltimore Bullets team that I played with my first year where I made the NBA Rooks team. So it was great to play with great centers. But when you talk about the greatest basketball players ever, you could put Kareem and Will Chamberlain. No one will ever, ever break any of his records, averaging 50 points, 25 rebounds, 100 points, Jeff. Can you imagine you know, that? 100 points in a game. I was in college when he did that, but I was on a team with him when he scored 60 or 70 or had 40 rebounds. I mean, it's unheard of statistics. Uh, he averaged 50 points a game, unheard of. The greatest basketball player that ever put on sneaks. For, for my young listeners out there, what, what, what was the difference between uh, Chamberlain's game and Kareem's game? What, 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 well, what difference did that Well, Ch- Chamberlain was more uh, forceful, uh, power dunk. When he yep. averaged 50 points, he had a fadeaway jump shot. It was like a layup. But Kareem was more graceful, even though he had that sky hook. He was he dunked just as much like Dr. J said the greatest dunker ever was Will Chamberlain. He would dunk everybody in the basket. I'm talking about the power of his shoulders, the strength that this man had. It's athleticism, quarter miler, broad jumper, 
high jumper, track. I mean, he was the, I would say, one of the greatest athletes ever to uh, play any sport. But gracefulness was Kareem. And you're talking about one of the greatest, you know, six championships, leading score ever until LeBron broke it. But Will Chamberlain, uh, tell people to Google his records. I, I don't have to say anything else. All they have to do is Google his records, and they'll see why he was the most dominant force in the NBA ever. You spent a couple of years in the ABA with the Utah Stars, and you mentioned you, you played with uh, Moses when he was coming out of high school. Um, did, did, was, was the ABA game more conducive to your game? Did you enjoy playing in the ABA? Well, the ABA game was more open. Uh, they had yeah. the three-point shot. Uh, you didn't foul out. I mean, there were some great, unique things about the uh, ABA because uh, when I played against Dr. J and McGinnis and all those guys in the ABA, these guys were pulling up, shooting three-point shots. It was more creative. The NBA game today is what the NBA game was, the ABA game was when I came in 1975. Moses Malone, out of high school, I had never seen a young man that forceful on rebounding. He was just 18 years old and boarding and boarding back and forth, back and forth. He was much smaller then. He was quick. As he got bigger and stronger, he dominated. Uh, they dominated uh, for the 76ers when they won the world championship. He was dominating a ball player. That's how great Moses Long was. Miss him. Miss Dow Dawkins, uh, Miss uh, Walt Bellamy and Bob Lanier all passed. But great, yeah. great basketball players, Jeff. Great. We're speaking with Wally Wonder Jones. Wally played 12 seasons of professional basketball from 1964 to 1976 with the Baltimore Bullets, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Utah Stars, the Detroit Pistons, and he finished with the 76ers. Wally, you finished in 76 with the Sixers. You went back to Philadelphia to, to wrap up your career. Um, was Dr. J there when you were there in 76? No, he wasn't, but we had an outstanding team. Uh, we had Fred Carter, Doug Collins, George McGinnis, uh, yep. all-star. Steve Mix was an all-star. Uh, people don't realize we had World Be Free, Dow Dawkins. We had Kobe Kobe Bryant's father. Yep. Jelly B. Bryant, yep. a great basketball player, Jeff. I just don't think he, uh, Coach, didn't utilize our team uh, as well as he should with the talent that we had. And uh, I think we lost to the Buffalo Braves, McAdoo, Randy Smith. I think it was a guard there, DiGregario. Yeah. I I think that was was the ball. But Pardon me? That was a good team. Buffalo, that was a good team. Oh, it was a good team, but we, we should have never lost to them. Uh, it was unfortunate. I mean, we had all this talent, but uh, that was my last year. It was very disappointing to me because I thought we had enough talent to win the championship. We had did enough you, talent on that 76 team to win a championship. Sure. Did you have a, uh, a, a place that you like to play that you always shot very well at or, or a, a fan uh, a, a, a fan group that you like beating? Was there, was there a, a stadium or gym that you like to play in? Well, I always loved playing in Madden Square Garden. And I've had quite a career there at Villanova, the holiday tournament we won there. At college, I loved playing the old Madison Square Garden I'm talking about. Yep. 
and when Bill Bradley came into the league, um, we there was another place. The Forum, of course, you love to play in L.A. Uh, there were the gyms where you know you're talking about uh, historical great teams. Uh, even though I didn't like the Boston Garden, the competition to play against the best in the world was something that I always enjoyed. To compete against them and show that I was just as good. See, a lot of things, I was a defensive playmaker, but during those playoff games, averaging 20 points against one of my best friends, Sam Jones and KC, it was an honor to compete against the greatest basketball team. We were the first in NBA history to have five African-Americans starting for each team. So history was built about by them. They already had five African-Americans starting for the Boston Celtics. But the idea of having 10 basketball players in the NBA that were African-American was an honor for me. Did you have a, a, a favorite coach that you like to play with? That, you know, somebody that, well, probably, that, uh, probably Alex Hannum. Probably Alex Hannum because he was the one that brought us together to win those 68 games. But what I liked about him was he treated everybody equal. There was no prima donnas. I mean, when you have a guy like Will Chamberlain, uh, he made sure that he lived in Philadelphia. People don't know that the first year I came to the Sixers, he lived in New York. He would drive back and forth to New York wow. to game. But uh, Alex Hannum said, no, you have, a, have to get a place here in Philadelphia. This is the true story. He lived in uh, – when he scored 100 points, people don't know that the guys from the Knicks, Johnny Green and – Richie Garrett, all those teams he scored 100 points, they drove him back to New York from Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't know whether you heard that story before, Jeff. That's a true story. That's funny. Can, yeah. can you take us back to 1968, uh, you know, the playoff series against the, the Celtics uh, and uh, news broke of the assassination of Dr. King? Um, what, what, what transpired there? And, and uh, I know you guys were trying to um, – cancel the game but it, it got it, it got overruled what, what kind of happened there well I have to tell you each year I've been on sports arena ESPN NBC sports I've talked to so many people during that time of year of his assassination yeah. um, we voted well not we the certain guys voted not to play I voted I'm gonna be quite frank um, I was just distraught there's no way I could play a game of basketball, we were up 3-1 on Boston Celtics. And um, Russell and Wilt met, but who met was the two mayors of Boston and Philadelphia. They were rioting, Jeff. They were burning. They were destroying communities, and they thought if we played the game, it would be very important. Uh, Billy Cunningham broke his wrist. They were just more mature to us to come back and beat us. But I don't use that as an excuse, but we were made to play. I mean, I voted not to play. I'll be quite frank. I was wondering, how in the world are we going to play a basketball game after a man was assassinated? A leader of civil rights for all people, Jeff, all people. He was civil rights for all people. And we, they wanted us to play a basketball game after such a tragedy. Uh, this is one of the worst tragedies in the history of mankind. But the forces that be, uh, Jeff, i got to tell you something. 
during those years we weren't making a lot of money, Jeff. For sure. We had to have summer jobs, Jeff. So when you talk about a ball player, if you tell them you're not going to play, you will not have a job. And Billy Cunningham said that on an interview with the Arena Sports. They interviewed him, Melchioni, and I, talking about that tragic day. And Billy said, hey, man, what kind of power we have? We're making 25 grand. We weren't making no money. Jeff, the people who were making money years after in the 70s with Wilt and Russell were making 100000 uh, the average salary couldn't have been no more than thirty, forty grand for an NBA player. When we came into the NBA, the NBA rookies were making ten to fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Billy Cunningham out of North Carolina, twelve five. Yeah, I made the, I made ten grand, Jeff. Right. So I want you to realize that it wasn't any money. <laughs> we had to have some jobs. <laughs> not not fair. I, You know what? I spoke with Sam Jones before he passed about this, and he, it was really one of the things that really bothered him the most that, that uh, you guys actually played that game. It was it, – it was. Um, well, looking back historically, it's too bad that you guys had to play, you know? Yeah, it was terrible. The travel was bad. The conditions of some of the gyms. Uh it was a plantation mentality, and I'll give you why I say that. They had the ownership. Now, I was playing for the 76ers in the 70s, and uh, we just come off of winning championships, and I made, I increased my scoring assists and also steals, and they didn't want to pay me or play me. So I sued the NBA for $5 million with the Sherman Antitrust Act. Oh, wow. So I, uh, unfortunately, I, I I spoke out about police brutality before Kaepernick in '70, and they said I was too militant because Rizzo was a mayor and also police chief. That there was a lot of police brutality there, and I spoke out about it. And they said I got to get we got to get rid of Wally Jones. He's too militant. And during those times, we had the big afro. We wore dashikis and African kabubas. I had a general manager who's from West Point trying to tell me I had to cut my hair and don't come to work in uh, African dashikis or kabubas. That's a robe, African-American. So they said, well, the students of Temple and the people that I work with that work with gangs picketed the spectrum against slavery, against them not paying me or not trading me. In December, Jeff, I did not have employment until December. You know who gave me a job? The first African-American general manager, Wayne Embry. Wayne Embry. I know you know that. I know you know that name. Every time I see him, I gave him a hug every time I see him. Also, I used to give Earl Lloyd a a hug, the first African-American in the NBA, because he drafted me. So it's very significant in my life about those situations because uh, the NBA was very tough those years, Jeff. Um, I'm so happy these guys are making this money uh, because yeah, so many know, friends. Wally, well, well, yeah, I don't know if the kids that, that are playing today understand uh, the hardships that you guys went through and, and the trailblazing time that you had to, to lay foundation to what we have today, you know? Yeah, and, you know, when I worked for the Miami Heat, Billy Cunningham gave me a job. 
I was working for the Center for Education Development in San Antonio. I was a human development specialist and trainer for in a 10-state region, and Billy Cunningham gave me the job of community relations and principal love after-school programs. And the point I want to get across is that the idea of these ball players making that kind of money, they may not be aware of what it was like. Uh, we made this game, and I'm so happy that they're capitalizing off of it financially. And they didn't realize that during those times, there are certain places in certain areas where we couldn't stay in hotels. Uh, well, I can go back to when I was in college, when I went to Maryland and the regionals. We couldn't stay in a hotel in Maryland when I went to Villanova. When I was um, a sophomore in Villanova, had to be 62 or 63, and we couldn't stay in a hotel in Maryland, and that's Coldfield House. Uh, and then when I made to the NBA in Baltimore, we went to places where they wouldn't Billy Cunningham told us they wouldn't serve us. Uh, this is the 60s, Jeff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. People forget sometimes. Yeah, they do. And it's so important in our society. There's such a division of dividing of races. And I spoke at my unveiling of my mural. Uh, we're from the human race. Um, they divide you up and make you against each other. I don't care what color you are. It's the human race. And so if the intelligentsia, the academicians, but we know what's happening in the world today. The division is madness in this world, yeah. all over the world. But in, in our own United States, I have never in my life seen so many killings of young people. Young people killing each other. Where are they getting the guns from? Well, they don't have any hope. So the madness continues, Jeff. I hate to bring that up, but I no, wanted no, to it, just. It needs to be pointed out, Wally, because it's really, uh, you know, it's an injustice as a society, and we really need to Yeah, as that. a society. You're absolutely right, Jeff. In our society, it's become so inhumane what's happening in our society that we got to do something about it, Jeff. We can make a difference. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do with the uh, Legends of the City of Brotherly Love, Sounds of Violence. I've been at this since 1969. Not me, the legends. Uh, I have to make a point of that because I had to tell the people at the unveiling. The picture of me on the wall is of all the people that have served in our community to try to save lives. Well, you know what? I think we're we're heading in the right direction. I think the younger generation, I, ha I have my kids in the 20s, and they're very much more understanding and acceptable, acceptable accepting of um, people of different races and, and different sexual preferences. And uh, it yeah. just seems like I, I, I think the younger generation is moving in the right direction. So it, it, it's slow. And, and you know what? I, I always think that, you know, I was born in 1965, so a uh, hundred years before I was born, slavery was still, in, was still just about still going, you know what I mean? So it's... Yes, yes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you have to realize that we move, things move slow, but I think we are moving in the right direction. I think... We're moving. Uh, people, I think people like you have done a, a lot to help, uh, you know, push us in the right direction and direct, direct people... Uh, uh, on how we should be be behaving with each other. 
I agree. See, I, I was born on Valentine's Day, Jeff. Uh, I'm a humanitarian. In other words, <laughs> human being. <laughs> you know, it doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. I thank Dorothea and Ernest Jones for giving me that date of birth. Valentine's Day, February the 14th. And as, we got to love each other. That's as simple as that. Yeah, and God bless your dad was still up with us 106. That is, that is just fantastic. Yeah, I am blessed. I am blessed. Glad to see he's been able to see your success over the years and see the changes that you've helped implement. So that must be uh, nice for him as well. Yes. Do you yes, want um, you know, a couple more questions of basketball, and, and I'll let you go because I really enjoy spending your time, the time with you and uh, talking about your time in, in the NBA. Do you have a a, a, a favorite game, a favorite moment on the court that that you really that, that you know you're just sitting there in your your easy chair watching TV, and all of a sudden you bring a smile to your face thinking about that? Oh, probably the championship series. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Boston. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the uh, 67 against Boston. I yep. made eight out of eight out of nine shots, and I have a film of it where it showed that I was, you know, you're hot. So, uh, it, you know, they said Boston is dead. They had a big sign, and it's at the convention hall. This is not the Spectrum or the Wells Fargo Center now. This is at convention hall, downtown gym that we played Boston, where we played our games at. And uh, that was very exciting then. But one of the very important series that meant a lot to me, see, I wasn't a a scorer. I averaged 13 points a game. I'm going to give you some names. Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas, Tony Parker, Jerry West, Oscar Robinson. Those names are guards that scored 20 or more points in the finals and won. My name is on that list, so I'm very proud of that. <laughs> well, because I, I'm, that's a nice list to be on. Isn't that a nice list? When the guy sent it to I just found this out. See, I'm not my – these young people, they go on statistics, they look you up. They find he, My son sent me the list. His son, he said, Papa, I didn't know you was on that list. I said, yeah, I averaged 13 points a game, and I was one of the – Guards on the finals to average 20, 20 or more points. So I'm I'm proud of that because um, I wasn't a scorer. I'm not a scorer. I'm a defensive playmaker. Before game one of the series in 67, when you scored 30 points, did you feel like you were going to have a good game? Like when you before you when, before you went into the game, you're like, I'm going to have a good game today. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> uh, 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 this is ironic. I called up Al Adels last week. You know what Al Adels said to me? Do you know Al Adels went to school with my brother at North Carolina A&T? Okay. Him and, him and Guy Rogers were my mentors when I was growing up. So to play against Al Adels, Jim King, Jeff Mullins, I owe Jeff Mullins that because Jeff Mullins dropped 40 on us to beat Bill Nova <laughs> wow. in the regionals. And Walt Hazard said, we'll get him. And that, that was the year in uh, 60 where Walt Hazen and UCLA beat Duke. Uh, they beat Duke for the NCAA championship. But the reason why you feel it, it's the type of basket that they had. And I always felt good at the Cow Palace. And sure. when I called up Al Adels, I said, Al, I hadn't talked to him maybe 20 years, Jeff. I said, Al, how you doing? He said, how's that jump shot? And I just <laughs> laughed because uh, – 
you know, I'm proud of that. You know, 30 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists. Uh, you're proud of those accomplishments during the uh, – that's where you make your name at, playoffs and finals. The regular season doesn't mean anything. But if you could reach the uh, finals of any sport and participate in it, you want to do your best. And I was so fortunate to have an outstanding series go at Golden State. Now, one of my best friends, Rick Barry, Rick Barry and I became the best friends because during the Olympic trials in 64, yep. Rick Barry and I, and Rick will tell you this to the day, we were cheated. We should have been on that Olympic team with Walt Hazard, Bill Bradley, Jeff Mullins, Luke Jackson. Uh, now, two guys made it, Larry Brown and Dick Davies. When I got up that morning and didn't see my name on the list, that was one of the most disheartening feelings I've ever had because I thought I made the 1964 Olympic team. And I'm going to tell you why. Walt Hazard and I in high school put in our yearbook, we would be in the 64 Olympics. We put it in our Overbrook High School yearbook. And we had, you know how you plan on things happening in your life? I was so disappointed, but that's part of life. But Rick Barry and I, we kid around, which I talked to him about the unveiling of my mural. And he was, of course, congratulating me. But we always, he always talks about it. Wally and I should have made that. We turned that, we turned that tournament out. We turned it out. Who was the coach of that team? I have uh, Hank Iba. Hank Iba is so old that Walt Hazard brought a style of play to the West Coast, uh, Walt the Wizard. Now, Walt Hazard could pass the ball all kind of ways. Now, in high school, our coach let us go behind the back or over our head. He said, as long as you don't throw it away, but people would say this about us. We were hot dogs. But what they said about Pete Maverick, he was a magician. See, yep. when we would do behind the back or over the head or trick plays, Hank Iver said we already had one guy that had too much charisma. Walt Hazard turned that Olympics out. Now, I don't know if people are aware of he led that team to the Olympic gold medal. Walt Hazard. Walt Hazard is the one that led that team. He was the yeah, point guard. He was a great player, obviously. Oh, oh, one of the greatest. One of well, the greatest. But um, let's talk yes. a little collectibles. I, I, you know, I, I, I've kept you longer than I anticipated, but because I really enjoy talking with you and I love your story, the stories that you're telling. Uh, but uh, you know, we we uh, you, we we got uh, acclimated because uh, uh, because you signed a card for me through the mail and. Do you sign a lot of uh, cards through the mail still? Do you get a lot of requests for autographs through the mail? A whole lot of cards. I mean, people be uh, – what, what the retired players told us, because people will sell them. And I'll be quite frank, I, I sign a lot of cards. I get all kind of cards, pictures. Every week I get – I don't know how they know where I live, but they know how to find <laughs> me. My son, Askia, who scored 62 points – in 28 minutes for Kansas State, 62 points in 28 minutes in the NIT. He was up for the ESPY award. They never talk about him scoring 62 points in 28 minutes. Wow. 
against Fresno State and the NIT. They never talk about that, but I think Reggie Miller beat him out for the ESPY. But he gets a lot of cards. He used to play for the Timberwolves, and he then he played overseas. He only played a half a year for the Timberwolves. But uh, the, the, the thing that I'm trying to say is I have a lot of uh, memorabilia that I could – I'm trying. We'll clean up my garage, you know. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have? Tell, tell us some of the stuff that you have and that you that you have from your playing well, games. Well, a lot of trophies, a lot of stuff. Um, I have a Black Hall of Fame from New York trophy. I have a big trophy that they gave me in New York for a Hall of Fame there. Uh, all type of uh, pictures. I even have cards of a lot of Olympic track guys i collect too i have a lot of cards of but they're not autographed bill bradley uh oscar robinson i'm talking about olympic cards yep did you keep your all your did you uniforms for, from your playing days and did you have game balls from your playing days and do you still have your uh, uh rank n- no i don't i don't have any of those yeah nope do you have a, no, you I have a ring one. what did you get from winning yes. the championship did you get a ring Oh yes, yes, yeah. You still have that. But I'm, I'm keep, yeah, I'm keeping that ring and the championship ring from the Miami Heat when Shaq was yep. here. Uh, I was, it was honored to be uh, Mr. Arizon brought a whole staff down and gave everybody in the East Department a championship ring. So I'm very proud of it. I have that ring. I bring that with me when I go do camps, which I'll be going away to Suffolk, Virginia. Uh, next week to do a camp. So I bring that ring to show kids. Uh, I also show my ring for championship in the Masters tournament. Every summer they have a Masters tournament in Coral Springs, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80. And I played in that tournament, Masters tournament, for a week until I was 75. Then I stopped playing. It's a Masters, actual basketball full court, yes. You were playing full court until you were in, in your 70s. Yeah, longevity 75. Is in your, longevity is in your in, in your line, my friend. You, you, that, that yeah, <laughs> yeah, having to pop 160. He told me, you're old when you stop being young, son. So I, I just stopped a little while ago. My friend Richie Moore played with me at Villanova. He wants me to play in the 80s. Three on three. It's not full court, but I told him, I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'm sure yeah. your family's like, Adley, can you slow down just a little? <laughs> yeah, you always tell me that. Hey, where, where are you going again? Yeah, I, I try to keep on the move, trying to make a difference, Jeff. Do you, do you have a favorite card? Do you have a favorite card from your playing days? Do you, do you have a card that you enjoy seeing? Uh, receiving to get oh, I've got I've got all kind of cards. Uh, I I have lot. maybe about fifteen cards that have uh, what is that Utah Stars? I have a card I like the, that have like Utah Stars card. I really like that one. All right, I tell you what, I have a card, and I'm gonna tell you something that's funny. I have a card that had me with the Milwaukee Bucks suit on, and it had the Seventy Sixes on top. I have another card. <laughs> That have the bucks with, and the shirt is white. It has no. It's a basketball card with no team on it. It's a white card with I had the big afro. 
Yeah. I have a bunch of those cards. It's a card where I don't even have a team name. It's a white T-shirt. <laughs> what are you guessing? <laughs> well, that, that's tops in the 60s, my friend. 60s and 70s, my friend. They were fighting logos, and they didn't want to pay rights fees. That's, that's what that's all about. Yeah, well, that, that's Mark interesting Street. to have a basketball card where you don't even have a team name. It's just a white shirt, and it has the Bucks. Yeah. I think it says uh, the Bucks underneath. Unfortunately, it always comes down to money, right? It always comes down yeah, to money. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know what, though, Jeff? Uh, the Retired Player Association is trying to get us money for name, image, and likeness when people use it. But um, I sign a lot of cards, and a lot of times – they tell us people are using your signature and they selling it. So, but I do it. You know, cards come here from kids from all over the world, France, Germany, uh, all over the United States, and I just sign them. You know, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, as a hobby, we really appreciate. It. We're speaking with Wally Wonder Jones. Wally played 12 seasons in professional basketball with the Baltimore Bullets, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Utah Stars, the Detroit Pistons, and finished with the 76ers from 1964 to 1976. He is a Philadelphia guy. He went to Villanova. He was drafted in the third round of the 1964 draft by the Detroit Pistons and got traded off to Baltimore. He was an NBA champion, guys, NBA champion with the Philadelphia 76ers in 1967. He has uh, scored over uh, 6,600 points in his career, 1,400 rebounds, over 2,000 assists. He had a great career, and he was a, uh, a, a social mover in, in the 60s and, and was involved in, in helping the youth all the way through today. He just had a, a mural released or, or unveiled a couple weeks ago in Philadelphia, and uh, he's a, a great ambassador for, for, for basketball and, and for the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area. So, Wally, I thank you very much for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Look, I have to say this. Uh, save the children. Save the That's children. That's it. Save the children. That's all. But the other thing I have to say to you, thank you, Jeff, for having me on your show. It was a pleasure. It was I, I can I could talk hours and hours with you, Wally, because I love hearing stories of, of your time in the NBA. And you you you, you know you, when you name drop, it's name you're name dropping because people these are people you knew and played with and played against. And I'm I'm very envious that I I wasn't there to see a lot of it. I, I uh, my, my my time in basketball following started probably in the mid 70s. So uh, oh, I, okay. you know, I've been I've, I've been following NBA for a long time. I do I do remember you. Uh, uh, you know, at the end of your career, especially with the 76s. But, uh, you know, thank, thank you for all, all the entertainment that you, you provided. And, and uh, you know, it was great to talk to you about your career and about uh, signing autographs. All right. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. You're good. Have a good day, Bye. brother. Love you. You too. Love you too. Bye. Buying and selling sports cards has never been easier, thanks to the free Collects app. With over a million collectors using the app, you can find just about anything. Buy and add to your PC, earn money selling cards, and trade up to get your Grail card. Easily check out with a credit card, generate shipping labels and tracking, and redeem credits put towards deals. Download Collects, that's Collects, C-O-L-L-X, for free on the App Store or Google Play today. True. This guy was a, a true gentleman. He was. A, it was fun to interview him. He uh, was very forthright. He uh, 
you know, you could tell uh, he loved playing basketball. He, he uh, was um, a civil rights activist back mm-hmm. in the day. And we talked to him about um, playing uh, on the day, you know, Martin Luther King's the day Martin Luther King, King was assassinated. It was a playoff game against the Celtics and they tried to postpone the game, but they couldn't, they couldn't get enough um, behind it. So they did from the players and the ownership to not play it. So uh, I think that really bothered him and he he's done a lot of great work uh, and he he's a really true gentleman. So hopefully enjoyed my talk with uh, Wally Wonder Jones. All right, Drew, that ends collector's corner. Next up is Clemente's world with Clemente Lise. Clemente Lise is our uh, soccer and hockey correspondent, as well as he does a lot of collectibles. We talked to Clemente. I spend a lot of time with Clemente at the National. We talked to Clemente about the National, about World Cup, the the the, the, the Women's World Cup disappointment, and uh, just collecting. So please enjoy uh, this month's edition of Clemente's World with Clemente Lise. If it's soccer, hockey, or collectibles, it's in Clemente's world. It's time for Clemente's World with Clemente Lisi. The Certified Collectibles Group is playing to win. CGC Trading Cards and CSG are combining into CGC Cards, solidifying its position as one of the world's largest and most prominent card grading services. With the merger, collectors get a number of upgrades, including the option to submit without a paid membership, a Gem Mint 10 grading scale, a sleek new label, a simplified submission process, and prices you are going to love. Grade all your cards with CGC Cards and visit cgccards.com today. All right, guys, it's time for Clemente's World. And what is Clemente's World, you ask? Very simple. Soccer. Right? Soccer. 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 <laughs> hockey. 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 Baseball cards, baseball cards, baseball cards, national, the national. Clemente is the man. He is a great collector. He is a great, uh, has a great insight on what's going on in the world of soccer, in the world of hockey, in the world of uh, collecting. And we're going to talk to Clemente today about all of them. Clemente Lise joins us every month and sometimes twice a month if I can, if I, I can, lucky enough to get him. Good morning, Mr. Clemente Lise. Good morning. Good to see you again after our, um, I guess we're still in the national hangover. I'm not sure if you I, are. I know. Let's talk Let's talk national first because I had so much fun with you. Clemente and I, the the, the national was a great, great time. And we spent a lot of time together. Um, and the one disappointing thing about the, the national for both you and I, I think, is the, the lack of hockey or the amount of hockey cards were at the national. Um, and you and I aren't the only ones that have said that. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people say, you know what, for being in a, an original six city, um, there wasn't a lot of hockey. And I think a lot of the vendors had a lot of the same stuff. Don't you think so? Yeah, that's a great observation. So there was hockey there, but you really had to look around and dig around. And it was 750 tables. So it was hard to to get to everybody. And there was a lot. There was you know, in some ways there was a lot of hockey, but it was really spread out. And you're right. There was a lot of repetition, so there was a lot of like Gretzky rookies, maybe an Ovechkin rookie, all the cards that either out of our price range or we don't need. What 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 people need more of, I think, is hockey dollar boxes, a ten dollar hockey cards, just more variation, more variety. But I think a lot of people are not breaking hockey; they're not buying hockey, so they don't have those quarter boxes, dollar boxes to to sell. 
Yeah. And there's some vendors that had some good stuff, but you really had to look and it took me two, three days to actually find people with hockey. I didn't buy a ton of it because there wasn't a lot of it. Um, I, I want to give kudos to Sal Barry and the Puck Junk booth. That was probably the best hockey table there. And he had lots of hockey and he was getting good traffic flow because people were looking for um, hockey cards. They're looking for Connor Bedard, obviously, because um, he's got a lot of minor league cards out and he's a Chicago guy, will be a Chicago guy. And but you're right, as a as a Chicago, as a as an original six city, it was that was lacking. My biggest gripe really wasn't the vendors because the market tells you what people want. And the Toronto Sport Expo twice a year satisfies that hockey need, I think, for a lot of people, but also better hockey signers, if not more hockey signers. Right. right. Molly Brandeman was the big name, right? <laughs> and Yaramir and Yaramir Yager. And that was it, really. And, and then you had Marcel Dion at the VIP. But you don't really have that's really bad. I mean, that's really poor for Chicago when you could have brought in a ton of people, really um, big market. Clearly, there's a market for Yager. If there's a market for Yager, there must be a market for other 90s guys. So that was disappointing. And I wonder if TriStar, you know, we don't know the backstory, why they couldn't get more hockey. Maybe right. it's they don't think people want it. But also maybe with Fanatics getting into the autograph space and doing their own shows, they could bring in more hockey people. Um, Upper Deck had some signers, but not nothing really special. Right. They had, what, some guy from the St. Louis Blues, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 the uh, no, the uh, Maple Leafs. He was like the backup goalie, Joseph. Yeah, Wall. backup goalie. But, but he wasn't. That doesn't really scream out. I mean, he's, he's a Missouri native, which makes me think it's a Midwestern connection. But it really wasn't the the kind of offerings that we expect at at a show where that builds itself as the biggest sports card memorabilia show in the in the world. It was a pretty poor showing. I thought. I know. I really wanted to pick up a bunch of Opeachy, uh, and there wasn't a lot. No, I mean, I mean, we, you and I don't get me wrong. You and I had a ball going through the dollar bar autograph boxes. We spent yes. a couple hours just pull. I pull. We pulled all the Bruins and Rangers and a bunch yeah. of car, cards that you needed. And and I think for twenty dollars, that was probably the best twenty dollars we spent at the show. You know what I mean? In terms of I agree. Sheer fun. I, yeah, I agree, because you have the experience. We ha- we hung out. We went through cards. Um, I picked up a Mike Vernon signed pro set card 1990, 91 for $1. I thought it was like an amazing uh, deal, but there weren't a lot of those guys. It took me, that was a Saturday, I guess. It took me like almost four days to get to that table, yep. you know? And so that tells you that it, it's very few and far between. And, you know, I'm hoping that the new people that promote uh, doing the national, that they're used to doing New York shows. There's a lot of hockey signers and hockey at those shows. And I wonder if more hockey will show up, especially in a city like Chicago or in the future, other cities where you have, it just really boggles my mind that there isn't enough hockey and hockey is a very popular sport. Upper deck um, was the booth was pretty busy, the corporate booth. So there's a lot of hockey people there, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, they could be more. And, and I, I claim this last year at the national, I, I whined about it this year. There was more, but not nearly as much as you would see of other sports. Yeah. It, um, you know, don't get me wrong. We, we had fun at the national. The, it was, uh, it was so, it was so big. And, you know, when you said it took three days to find a, this, the hockey guy booth that it was because it was so big. And um, I think the, the promoters did a great job. I think it was, it wasn't while it was the, a very busy show, it was, wasn't too busy that you couldn't get to tables and you couldn't walk around. And they were certainly down times when you could go and get stuff and, and i pulled the 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 classic national oops i found a table 
uh, I was leaving Friday night and I found a table of a uh, guy had some Dennis pop van cards that I wanted, but I just didn't have the time because I had to go. We were going to dinner that night right. and I said, oh, I'll come back. So I dummy me i don't write the, the 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 vendor's name down and i i like oh it's over here near Les's booth and I, i'll find it and it took me until sunday afternoon <laughs> to, to, to i was I, I had given up hope i'm like i'm never gonna find this guy's booth again and i just stumbled on it again so i did get my two dennis pop fan autograph cards which i was very happy for five dollars each and you know he's a de deceased hall of famer and uh Two 1975 uh, Dennis Pop fan cards with five dollars each. I was thrilled, and um, you know it, it's it, it was fun. I had I had a great time at the show. It was nice seeing um, a lot of friends, right? A lot of we saw a ton of people, and uh, it was nice to be noticed. I don't know if you got you you got noticed from your parents on the show or or, or Puck Junker or your book, but I I was uh, I was a dealer celebrity for a, for a couple of days, which was fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I met a lot of people that I hadn't ever seen in person and then when i introduce myself people do recognize the name it's you know it's a, it's a it's a nice community i think we you know trading cards is a great community and the fact that social media uh youtube uh podcasting can bring people together i mean big part of the national is actually seeing people and socializing yep. it's kind of like the class reunion that you have every year but we're also there to buy cards and so you know and look you're right i don't want to be negative because the national was i've I've told people this probably this national was the best card show I ever went to because it really wasn't a card show. It was like six card shows in one. And you had to like visit all these different nooks and crannies and pavilions and sections. And, you know, there was the first day I didn't buy anything. The second day I saw like two thirds of it. The third day I saw the other third of it. You know, you had to digest it in pieces, but because it was so big, we were there for so many days. I took my time. I really enjoyed it. I'm happy with the cards I got at the show uh the train nights were fun just the whole experience i do think chicago is a unique setup because the the convention center the restaurants the hotels they're all there it's really i mean my hotel was a 10 minute walk and it was really easy to get there every day and it was fun it was really really a lot of fun and you know i don't know if it will be that way in cleveland i hear that the venue is not close to hotels and people yeah it's Uber, yeah. did you drive. go did you go a couple of years ago in cleveland Never been to Cleveland. It's very spread out. the 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 convention hall is nice, but and they've remodeled it. Uh, but the hotels are all spread out. It's not centralized like Chicago. You can't walk to a restaurant or or, or walk to the the facility. You're gonna have to drive up, I think, or take a shuttle. Yeah, and the, the issue there is if people are gonna spend their their money on cards, but they can't because they have to spend it on Ubers. That cuts into your budget, and so. You know, it's going to be hard to top this show. This show was pretty amazing, pretty special. And so, you know, but I, I realize this about the National. It isn't the space or even the location. It's the people that are there. I mean, I want to say kudos to you. It was fun to just hang out with you and all these different sections and, and other people that I was hanging out with, uh, Sal and Tim over at Puck Junk. Like, just the idea of being with these people, hanging out with them, talking about the hobby. And then you get a real feel for what the hobby is about at the show, like what the trends are, what's hot, what's not. Um, you can't really see that on eBay. You can't tell about that on Instagram. You have to actually go to the show, talk to dealers. The fact that dealers were making deals, they were making money, people were happy with the cards they got. It was one of those few times where everything lines up nicely and everyone's happy. You know, people are not complaining. You know, yep. was all, the only complaint was that the first two days it was really hot. But it, it was, was 100, hot. <laughs> it was, 100, it was, 100 and it was. It was hot yeah. the first two days. It was, yeah, it was 100 degrees outside. And then inside, you had all those people packed in. And I think Thursday, Friday were busier than Saturday, which is kind of crazy that the weekdays were busier than the weekends. 
but overall, great show. I got in and out pretty easily. And uh, yeah, it won't be a show I won't soon forget. And and it's and I love card shows. I love to go to card shows every once in a while. This totally scratches that card show itch for a while now. So I think I'm yeah, I agree for a bit. You no, know, no, was nice is I got a real sense of um, current pricing. You know what I mean? Because where a lot of dealers had a lot of the same type of cards you know what i mean so just going through it you know i said oh oh look how much my mantles and my errands and my you know and my uh, hall of fame cards that i have and my rookie cards because they all had them so you got you got an idea uh, and uh you know i tried buying a 89 tops hockey box and then wanted a hundred dollars for it and i was like really isn't that a 20 dollar box Right. So some of the wax was, you know, some of that wax, the junk wax was expensive, but the modern wax was super cheap. Yeah. Um, and so people were buying modern wax. I mean, you and I were both flying in and out. So I don't really want to carry all this wax back with me. So I was looking for individual cards, stuff I had never seen before. I got some soccer, I got some hockey. I didn't get any baseball, which is like the first time I'd go to a show without getting baseball. I really wanted to try to get some Otani stuff. I have some of it, but he's so hot right now. He was like one of the hottest guys at the show in terms of pricing i'd say him and messi were in this stratosphere i saw messi cards that were going for thousands of dollars on thursday and i on know friday, and on friday when i went back they were gone I mean, people were buying that stuff so it's pretty crazy and i'm not surprised messi is hot because he's not he's playing in america now uh he's scoring tons of goals and he's you know he's he's red hot since the world cup anyways and then otani's been doing the same thing in baseball probably the greatest baseball player at the moment and maybe one of the all-time greats at this point, um, if he changes teams and can win a World Series. But his cards are like out of this, out of this world. PSA ten, you know, yep. thousands and thousands of dollars, and you can't buy when these guys are hot unless you you're one of the high rollers. But so I didn't get any baseball, but tons of vintage baseball. And if I think vintage is the new modern, basically, people, um, you know, want vintage, even though a lot of young people I think don't like it. It's not flashy. It's not shiny. But guys like us can enjoy that. And and a big part of the national too is not just buying stuff, but seeing stuff like a museum. And I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, it was it was a fun time. Guys, you can check out Clemente's article on Puck Junk. It's puckjunk.com. He does it's what's the five um things you you liked about the national. I think yeah. it's yeah. it's all about so you can check that out. It's a really fun article. Clemente writes an article just about every month for for Puck Junk, and uh, he's all over the place. He's written a, a World Cup book. We're going to talk a little World Cup. You know, let's go off talk because you brought it up. Is Messi? Messi uh, has been playing in in the uh, MSL. Yeah, MLS. Yeah, MLS, and he's had a couple games, right? And he had he, he looks like he is uh, a man among boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he's him and his teammate are kind of doing whatever they want. It's 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 almost like it's an exhibition for these guys, no? Yeah. So they brought in two other Barcelona former Barcelona players, Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets. And so I I I call Inter Miami now Messi and friends because it's basically him and these other two guys who've made everyone else on the team look really good and play much better. And they're playing in what's called the League's Cup, which is this sort of new expanded tournament that pits MLS teams versus Mexican teams. It's it's a competition that most people probably would have ignored because MLS is on hold for a month. And I think most people would have ignored this competition, but because Messi is making his, his MLS debut in this competition and he's scoring tons of goals and Inter-Miami is now in the quarterfinals, they could actually win this trophy. And it would be amazing for Messi to be here one month, score tons yeah, of goals. He's, Clemente, he's doing whatever he wants. Him and his... Yeah. 
him and the, those two guys, they're doing yeah. whatever they want. He, he is. And I think because his level is higher than the rest, but I also think he's really happy. You can just see that he's got a lot of joy. He's happy to be in Miami. He was not so happy in Paris. He wasn't doing this for PSG for the last two years. And he was saving some of that energy and enthusiasm for the national team, for the World Cup, and it, and it paid off. But I think he's just happy to be in Miami. He's happy to be hanging out with these players. He's there to be a mentor. He's, you know, he's just really joyful. He's scoring one, two goals a game and people are getting their money's worth if they're going to the games and they're paying high money on secondary market for tickets, thousands of dollars in some cases. And then, you know, or they're watching Apple Plus or paying for Apple Plus to see MLS games. But either way, the impact is more than they could have imagined for this quickly. And yeah. he's here for another two years. So there's plenty of time to enjoy Messi, see Messi. But I think that the investment is already paying off early on. That, and that's great to see. We have Women's World Cup going on, and I think, and I'm going to be controversial, and you, you can agree with me or not agree with me. I think uh, the Women's World Cup, U.S. World Cup team did more to hurt soccer in the U.S. And than anyone's done in the last five years this year. Yeah, that's that's a bold statement. I mean, yeah, you can you can say that in the sense that this is a team that a lot of us grew to love because they were so dominant. They took over the world. They won two World Cups back to back. They're they're above and beyond the best female athletes on the planet when it comes to soccer. At the same time, you have other things happening. You have arguments over gender equality, pay equality. You have a lot of politics yeah. involved. And a lot of people got sour on these players. Then you have the international gap closing. France, Spain, England. Quickly, the very quickly, Clemente. Very quickly, yeah, so... So the gap is closing. All these teams are getting better. The U.S. was not getting better. And so now they got defeated by Sweden. It was a disappointing penalty kick finish. It was very dramatic for those of you that saw it. Um, and but it if, wasn't it was it was not a, it was not a goal. They they the, the girl, the girl. I mean, it was a goal. The girl did not save it. It was over the line. Yeah, she made the save. The ball still bounced over the line. The, the new technology they're using indicated that there's no question that that penalty kick was a goal just the way it ended by a game you know it's a game of inches in this case it was a game of millimeters but you know what the u.s didn't do enough not just in that game but in the group stage to really exert its dominance and so I agree. Now they, and now they have to rebuild it's going to take time now of course you have two other factors at play one being the u.s is eliminated now and so fox is going to hit like a ratings iceberg because no one's going to watch now though i would recommend watching that the teams that are left are really good and number two the fact that these games were on at three in the morning, five in the morning, because I know they're Australia, New Zealand, the time zone is not favorable. That doesn't help either. I mean, if the U.S. had gotten to the final, that game would have been on at three. We'll be on at three thirty in the morning. Now, how many people would have gotten up at three thirty in the morning to watch the U.S. play in the final? Maybe I'm a knucklehead. I got up at four in the morning to watch the game. I got up. At, I got up at five because that's when it started. The the the, the, the round of sixteen. I got up for it. That's true. Um, even though Fox keeps telling people to get up earlier for the pregame, don't get up for the pregame. Just get up when it kicks yeah, off. Yeah, I was up at four. <laughs> yeah, I got up. I got up at five, and I made like a breakfast thing out of it, and it was disappointing. And because you know, whenever the U.S. is playing at a World Cup, men, woman, doesn't matter. It's always a referendum on the popularity of the sport, and that's the real issue. And so saying that they set back the program or soccer in general, maybe it's kind of interesting to see the women get eliminated this early for the first time ever. At the same time, you see Messi scoring all these goals on American soil. It's almost like the two things are evening themselves out. And it's interesting to see how many people I know are talking more about Messi than they are about 
the yeah, UFC. Yeah, and I know on social media there was so much negative uh, comments on not, you know just the 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 women and uh, their performance on the field, but also. Um, you know, the, their political stance that they've taken and just not, it's, it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I, you know, I, I guess there is a place for politics and, you know, you look at the Olympics in the sixties with, with the, uh, you know, the, the African-American athletes and, and pointing out discrimination and there, I guess there is a place for it. And people, you know, look, you know, look at Jim Brown and uh, Bill Russell and all those guys, they, in Muhammad Ali, they, they, they use it for good. And, um, maybe, maybe I just don't see it as much because it doesn't, I, 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 I it, it's kind of like, is, is this really the time to, to bring up this stuff when, when as a country, we should be coming together as opposed to being divided, you know, you know it's interesting. It's interesting philosophy or thought. The, the other thing is too, when you, when you get that political, you do divide the public, but what happens is when you get that involved in politics, no matter what the issue is, when you get eliminated early, people, will right. You have to put up or shut up type of yeah, thing. People right? will say, people will say, yeah, people will say, Oh, see, you're distracted. You weren't focused. Now the, the truth could be that they were politically active at the same time, the gap is closing and the other teams are getting better. I think that is probably what's happening more than anything. I, I don't think these women are distracted at all. I think you could be political and you could be LeBron James, be political and score 40 points in a, in a game, right? That happens yeah. all the time. Or Muhammad Ali, right? The greatest boxer of all time. So I think you can do both, but you're right. There is people who are going to, people who are not like me, who are watching all the time and, and following it, people who are casual observers will say, all I hear about this team is when they're doing something political or when they get eliminated. I mean, are they doing anything right? Are they winning at all? And of course they are. The, the good thing about getting eliminated this early too is maybe you get a new coach Maybe some of the older players you don't call up again and you hit the reset button. There are a lot of really young players on this team that I think are going to be the future, including Trinity Rodman, who I talk about all the time. She's Dennis Rodman's daughter. So yep. that you know, so there's some pedigree there in terms of athleticism. Um, and a lot of other, Sophia Smith and a bunch of other players who are really talented. And I think once they do a, a reset and they realize what was wrong, I think they can look towards the future. Now, having said that, I think there are a lot of good teams left in the tournament, including Spain, France, England. My prediction ahead of the World Cup was that a European team would win. And the Europeans are finally waking up to women's soccer after decades and decades of, of dominating men's soccer. So it'll be good to see a European team or even an African team or a team from some Australia, wherever. Yeah, that Spain team is very good. I, I saw I, I saw them play. They are very good. Yeah, they're very good. And the thing is, once a country that's never won the World Cup wins it, that only that helps soccer in that country. But it helps soccer in the in that continent and really in, the, in parts of the world because you could be an American girl and watch the Spanish women win the World Cup and be enamored with that. I mean, when we when Argentina won the World Cup in December, fans all over the world were enamored with Messi and with with what Argentina did. So it, you know that 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 continues to be a thing in terms of role models for young girls. And I love women's sports. I've always loved women's sports. I don't distinguish between women and men in terms of sport. I think you know, um, in that sense, I think that there should be more equality yeah. and and. and do you think no. offsides is uh, has to be looked at in international soccer? Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, I, I can't say, you know, maybe I watched four or five games of, of this, of the, uh, the game so far. And it seems like every game, there was some type of offsides that nullified a goal that, you know, when you, when me looking at it as a fan, I was like, that really didn't look like it was offsides, but you know, they, and they've got this, the, this new computer thing. So it was, you know, they, they would, they were, they were, they would, taking these goals off the board when uh, it looked like the girls worked just as hard and really yeah. didn't 
offside didn't really play, come into play, you know? You make a good point. Now, the offside has is, is always been complicated in soccer. It's hard to understand. And, and once you do understand that, it, it's fine. But the issue is and there's so few goals in soccer sometimes that when a team scores and there's that enthusiasm, that jubilation, and then just a minute later to get that goal called back is like a sucker punch don't you think that happened a lot though in the in this tournament so far it has happened a lot and what happens is is it is offside oftentimes the naked eye doesn't catch it so maybe 10 years ago or five years ago that would have been a millimeter offside and you wouldn't and you would have gotten you would have gotten the goal but because the the, the technology is so much better and computers are so much better that they can pull these goals back now and that's becoming an issue not just because you're excited when they score a goal and then they pull it back all that review wastes time. And then they add 10 minutes to the end of the game. Right. And all of a sudden now you're playing 10 minutes or 15 minutes at the end of the game, which is becoming increasingly controversial because players are saying, look, you know, it's bad enough that you pull the goal off, but now you're adding 10 minutes to every game because you're reviewing two or three goals a game. And that gets more complicated and that changes the game too. So can they, can they look at offsides again? I think they're going to review offsides in terms of what is offside. Like if it's a millimeter, is it really offside? That kind of thing. Right, and a lot of times, Clemente, it was the it was another girl. It wasn't the girl that scored the goal. Or it was it, right. it was some girl, you know, off camera, so to speak. That, right. So that's that, called the passive offside, which is like I have the ball. I'm not offside, but my teammate, who's like across the field, she's offside, and she didn't, wasn't even involved with the play. Now, generally, you don't call that offside, but the computers goes, well, look, this this person is is ahead of you, so it's offside. So the the referees are hampered by not just tradition, but also, you know, having to argue with the computer. And you can't argue with the computer. The computer right. says it's not a goal. It's not a goal. And so, yeah, that that's the growing pains of having this new technology in soccer. And I think all sports, when they have new technology, I mean, look at the NFL. They're always constantly tinkering with the. I know the, who if the guy, guy caught the pass or. Right. And they watch and you watch that play over and over and over. The thing in, in football is the clock stops. That's OK. In soccer, it doesn't. So you have to make up that time. So this is something that we'll see in the European leagues this, this year as well, where how do referees balance between making the right call and also the new technology? Did we have any collectibles for the Women's World Cup? Did anyone issue any stickers or any uh, cards for the Women's World Cup? Yes, yeah, so the Panini uh, World Cup Women's album did come out, and it's not as available as the men's, obviously, unfortunately. And so what happens is you have to order them in the mail, that kind of thing. And then Don Russ, Panini, will put out a, a Women's World Cup uh, soccer card set, which inexplicably comes out at the end of the month after the tournament. Now, I don't know if that's a production issue or if they're hoping to ride the popularity after the fact, I, I always think that having things issued ahead of time or at the same time may be beneficial. For yep. example, the National, there was very little women's soccer. None. I didn't see any really. Right. Not that, I was, not that I was looking for it, but it, it, you did, I never even stumbled upon it. Right. And I, and this is where what bothers me is the card companies are not issuing the cards at the right time, especially for women's sports. There was a women in the hobby table. I want to give kudos to them. They gave me some free cards for my daughter. Very nice group of women. Um, and it's nice to see more women and children in the hobby. And I want to I want to I want to mention that about the national. But yeah, the the whole idea that that you wouldn't even bring in, for example, signers to this national that were f- former female women like champions like Mia Hamm or Randy Chastain or something like right. that. Like you could well, they had over. one. There was one women's basketball player, right? That was it. Right, right. But you didn't have, for example, yes, but you didn't have, for example. Hope Solo, the former U.S. goalie, could have easily been signing at the National. 
she signs on other shows, for example. I think people were not, the organizers weren't thinking like a tie-in. And I think a lot of younger people would have loved to see more women's soccer, soccer in general, but even just better signers. And I don't want to go back to the whole hockey signers thing, but there's definitely a lopsided basketball, baseball, football um, um, trio of, of dominance over all the other sports. Right. And maybe um, the women's uh, international, the women's international committee or the, the, the U.S. soccer for women um, maybe could have been more more involved. You know, I mean, this is a great opportunity to promote our sport. It's the the biggest game with World Cup and it's the biggest, you know, it's 100,000 potential fans that were were missing. Uh, and and we didn't we didn't have a, a presence there. And maybe well, maybe it could be go, go down as, as far as that they didn't even know about it. But right. Exactly. It, it was my mind the disconnect between the national sometimes and the sports leagues. Like a lot of the signers are retired athletes, not even current ones. So there is definitely a disconnect between the current leagues and the hobby. And then fanatics is trying to bring that together somehow. But fanatics is this like multi tentacled beast. And so it's too complicated for them to always get it right or always remember what's happening and so that's more complicated but you're right i think i think a lot of the sports leagues a lot of the soccer leagues don't know that the nationals a thing and then the national organizers don't know anyone at those leagues at mls or you know you easily could have had chicago fire players who play in mls right. it's fine at the national if they're home for example or whatever so there's a lot of stuff that could have happened that didn't and Maybe going forward, that that becomes a thing if there's a social media up upswell or something, uh, you know. But who knows? Yeah, and I I, I enjoyed the uh, corporate end of it, and I know a lot of people don't enjoy the corporate end of it, but I really enjoy uh, going to the corporate booths and, and not just the the card manufacturer. Or, you know, guys like Collects were there and Gem Rate, and a lot. You know, uh, I'm blowing my own horn, so to speak, because these guys are are part of my show. But it, it, it's great to see uh, so many corporate you know, companies there that are displaying their wares and i think it, it's good for the hobby i know i've i've heard uh from other collectors that they don't like the corporate end of it that it should just be um just be guys selling cards and that's it at the national but i i totally disagree with you with that how about you yeah no i can see an argument for both sides i do like that the corporate people are basically in a different part of the show yeah not, i mean they're not they're in sort of in the middle to the side they're not spread out all everywhere so if you want to go to that section you go you there's people i know who didn't go to that section at all and that's great if you don't want to go don't go but you do get an idea of what it is they're pushing what they're selling what they're promoting um they're part of the hobby and they bring a lot of energy to the to the show especially the breaking community the breaking area i think they bring i think they bring energy to the show if it was just guys selling cards and, and programs and ticket stubs i don't know if it would be the same show yeah, and then if you want to have a separate trade show, and they do have those, collectors wouldn't go to that. And so what ends up happening is Tops, Panini, Fanatics, Upper Deck, they won't get in front of regular people really ever. And that's not, they don't want that. They, you know, it's so hard to get a hold of these people all, often anyway. Anyone who has a redemption can tell you that. But to see them at the show and to see some of the same people over and over again and, and talk to people at these, and especially for us in the content business, it's important, it's good. And like I said, they were giving away free stuff and doing a lot of promotions and it was a lot of energy. And that's important. That's part of the hobby too. The hobby is multifaceted and you have to uh, cater to everybody. Well, I know you've, you've been busy with national and you haven't had a chance to uh, do with some TTMing and you're under, you're, you're traveling this week. So uh, do you have any TTMs that you want to get out when you, when you come back here, you got a kind of a, a log jam of TTM requests. 
So I sent out a ton, like right before the national. And I'm oh, hoping, nice. And I'm hoping that once the national hours over and my vacation ends this weekend, that then when I go back home, I'll find my mailbox to be full. So our next call could be a really good one. Um, so that's what I did. That was my strategy to say, okay, I usually take August off in terms of TTM. I don't TTM in August. I, I, I feel people go on vacation and you ultimately don't get a lot of returns back sometimes. So I sent a bunch of stuff basically end of June, end of July, and it was all got done. So I'm hoping to come back, like I said, on a, on a Saturday to, to a bunch of mail so that I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. Um, have you had, any, uh, forgive me, I'm kind of throwing this in the dark to you. Um, have, do we have any idea when uh, the new hockey releases, the Series yes, 1? So, so Series 1 should be should coincide, if things are normal again, with the start of the season, which is oh, November. Oh, great. But so it, if it comes out in November, we'll be on schedule. It usually coincides with the Toronto Sport Expo and the Hall of Fame weekend and the, and the start of the season in October, November. So that, that should all be on track. What happens in September, generally, we get um, MVP, and that comes out first. Okay. Um, that's a low-end, lower-scale stuff. I love yeah. buying fat packs at Target. So MVP comes out first. For those of you looking for Connor Bedard, you're not going to find him. According to the NHLPA rules, a player has to at least play one shift or skate it in a game. If he skates in October, then we'll see him in Series 2, which will come out maybe in January, February, March. And I predict those boxes will be very very expensive because Connor Bedard minor league cards are going for hundreds of thousands of hundreds and or thousands of dollars. His young guns card out of the gate could be a 500 or $1,000 card out of the gate. And so, yeah, you know, cause you don't know how many they're going to print. Right. And young guns are always less. Young guns are short, anyway. Yeah. Young guns are short printed. And then you have variations of the young guns. Um, But like to, to, as a point of reference, Lafreniere uh, who's highly touted, uh, when his Young Guns card came out during the pandemic, it went to $600 day one. Now it's like a $50 card or $30 yeah. card. But right. Don't, I mean, you look at, remember when Ronda, Ronda Franco came out last year, his cards were what, $25, $50. And then all of a sudden at the, at the national, you could find them for a dollar. Look, if, yeah. If you buy two boxes of, of a series of two or one box and you, and you pull it, wonderful. But if you want to buy it on eBay, the first day comes out, do not do that. Wait a month, two months, three months. Look, you may have a great rookie season and the card just stays at 600 or 1000 or whatever. And then you're stuck at having to deal with that price. But you're, you're, you're right. Don't go from 600 to 30 to wander $1. Right? You don't want to do that. Is it's, he is he a charismatic kid? I don't you know, I don't have that much. Uh, yeah, it seems understanding like, of who he is yet. Yeah, his most people have seen him on YouTube, and YouTube highlights are pretty amazing. Um, he's probably the best player, at least in terms of promise. Is he well spoken? Yes, yeah, it's Connor McDavid. He is well spoken. He uh, upper deck has already gobbled him up. He was all over the national on posters and on uh, billboards. So he's you know, and with Chicago, so it worked out. Um, right. I, did but did they miss an opportunity by not having him there? Yes and no. I mean, I can't imagine if Connor Bedard would have been at the national at the upper deck booth. That might have caused a stampede. I don't know what that would have looked like. <laughs> now, if you have him signing at the TriStar, that's different. But you know what? He's not signing yet. He's just he hasn't played a game yet. You know. Yeah. So uh, it, it's he's a tricky situation. You know, in terms of like he he's he's out there, and there's a lot of hockey fans and and fans in general of sports who want to see him do well and want to get his collectibles. But he's an unknown entity. He could be like the biggest dud, uh, you know, in the world. 
So we no, don't. I know you don't know what these. I mean, you're, I, I, if just going back, I remember Gord Kluzak was taken by the Bruins and he got uh, concussions, and uh, you know Eric Lindros was supposed to be the next big thing, and he he had, he had got hurt, and it just happens, right? Yeah, let's put it this way. You know, Connor McDavid, who I think is an amazing player, the best hockey player at the moment, and maybe top five all time. Most Americans couldn't. If I said who's Connor McDavid, they'd say, I don't know who that is. So, right. You know, and, and so because he plays at Edmonton, that doesn't help him. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup. That doesn't help him. And so he's not front and center. Now, had they brought him to the National, that might have been super exciting. Might have been awesome. But, you know, even Upper Deck knows that maybe bringing in a name like that, and they have other names on their contract, they probably realize, look, if we bring him, only hockey fans will care. It doesn't expand our market. I mean, in some ways, Upper Deck is more interested in promoting their wrestling cards and people because wrestling has mass appeal and hockey doesn't. Right. Well, it's interesting. All right, but anything else you want to add before I let you go? I, you know, we we went a little long today, but we had so much to talk about for the national and uh, the World Cup. So, anything else you want to add before I let you go? No, just you know, enjoy the rest of the summer to all the listeners, and I want to thank you and Paula for a beautiful, wonderful conversation and steak dinner at the national. It was one of the best nights I had there. Um, so, thank you for that, and and really thanks to the whole community for coming up to us and talking to us at the national. It was fun to put names to faces and. I hope to go next year because really it's, it's like a reunion and you know, you want to see everybody and that is the one chance, one opportunity to do so. All right, guys, Clemente Lacey, you can follow him on puck junk. He has a, a, a article on puck junk every month. He also is on sports collectors digest. He usually writes an article sports collectors digest. He has uh, uh, his book is world cup book. You can check that out. That's still available in print. Um, and he is all over um, the internet. He has a, a soccer newsletter. I'll give that out. Yeah, Planet Soccer, planetsoccer.substack.com is a new newsletter every Monday morning in your inbox. So I saw lots of growth during the national as well. So uh, I was promoting that as well. So thank Bye, you. Bye, my friend. We, we will talk to you next month. You'd be good and, and enjoy your vacation with your family. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, okay? Thank you. All right, thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Sure. We had a Clemente and I had a really good time uh, at the national specifically going through the dollar autograph hockey box. And uh, every time we, we pulled the cards, like, I wonder if Drew needs this one. I wonder if Drew needs this one. I wonder if Drew needs this one. So we would, uh, we wish, we wish you were there. Maybe, maybe next year we never know, but um, I think that will wrap up Clemente's world. And next up is making the grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. The Certified Collectibles Group is playing to win. CGC Trading Cards and CSG are combining into CGC Cards, solidifying its position as one of the world's largest and most prominent card grading services. With the merger, collectors get a number of upgrades including the option to submit without a paid membership, a Gem Mint 10 grading scale, a sleek new label, a simplified submission process, and prices you are going to love. Grade all your cards with CGC Cards and visit cgccards.com today. Making the grades is a summary of what's been going on in the grading uh, community. We have some uh, grading numbers to let you know about. We do indeed for the first week of August, so July 31st through August 6th. All the companies down a little bit, maybe a little bit of a post-national hangover there a bit, but PSA, 9% drop, but still 247,200 cards that went through their offices. 
SGC, only a 3% drop. They still saw 16,800 cards that they graded. Beckett, a bigger drop at 21%, 11,400 cards getting graded. And CGC been yo-yoing a little bit here lately, this time down 38%, 9,000 cards getting graded there. CGC, though, in July, they took in 222,480 cards just in July alone. And sorry, I think that was supposed to be yours that you're supposed it's to be. Okay, no, it's it okay. It's okay. You go, man. Go. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, CGC, some nice numbers there, at least for the entire month of July there. So, you know, we'll drop there at the end, but still, that's a solid number right there. Nearly a quarter million that have gone through them. And for, you know, kind of the uh, newest of the big four companies, that's still, I mean, that's really good to see out of them. Yep. So I'm sure they took in a lot of cards at the national. They were very busy. Their booth was very busy every time I went by it. So good to see. Good. Congratulations for our friends at CGC. Hey, Drew, we have the big three. The big three. Yes, the big we three. Do. This week's big three is brought to you by gemrate.com. Whose cards are hot and whose cards are cold this week? Let's find out from our friends at gemrate.com. Don't you love the big three? Yeah, I really like that. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a cool new addition there to everything. They're having figuring out, you know, who, like the who's hot and who's not of the of the grading world. Well, the big three is brought to you by our friends at Gemrate. Gemrate uh, provides all the grading statistics for TTM casts for no charge, free. We love free, and we help we love help outing our our friend Ryan at, at uh, Gemrate. Make sure you follow them on social media. Uh, but the big three this week, these are the guys whose uh, percentage of grading increased from uh, previous week to, to this week. And uh, the three big winners are, the rises are Luis Ariz, who was having a fabulous year, right? He's, he, yes. he, at one point, he was looked like he had a shot at hitting 400. I don't know if he's still there, but isn't he hit, he's still hitting like 370 or 380, right? Yeah, he's dropped off a bit lately. Last I saw, he was down to like, I think, 369 or something like that, but Chance at 400, probably out the window, but still, I mean, he's leading the league and leading by a, by a wide margin right now for the American League, or yep. National League. As it is. Well, his cards were up 144%. Victor Wembanyama. Did I get it right? Wembanyama? I think so. I think so. <laughs> we have the first pick in the draft, obviously, and he was uh, he's going to be a stud, and he is uh, his numbers were up 133 percent and that reason is as tops now draft card uh they graded 800 of them last week so a lot of people have got the card and sent it in to get grading lastly ronald acuna jr who's having a fabulous year uh, he's probably gonna win the mvp in the nl right i would think so the way it's looking yeah yeah he was up 69 percent. so those were our three risers who are the three three uh, droppers the three followers this week drew before I get into those, let me just mention, too, with Ronald Acuna Jr., the National League East could be very interesting in a couple of years here because his brother, of course, was just acquired by the Mets in the uh, Max Scherzer trade. So you could see both Acuna brothers over in the same division here for a couple seasons at some very point. Cool. Moving on to the fallers. Yeah, the uh, the biggest drops here of the week, not really a huge drop on any of them, fortunately. So good to see that there. But uh, got Steph Curry ended up falling 9%. From the grading companies, so a nothing, uh, no, not a huge drop, but a small one there. Barry Bonds down fifteen percent, and Ricky Henderson a nineteen percent drop. So it's always good when you don't see those, you know, big, you know, 40, 50, 60 percent ones we've seen a couple times in there. But yeah, just a small slide on those guys. I bet you'll see them bounce right back up again here soon. All right, that ends uh, this week's big three, and uh, also making the grade. Next up, Drew is stamp of approval. TTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. Why do we do TTM 
cast stamp approval. It proves that we actually have uh, more to our life than just cards and autographs. It's uh, just, you know, it shows we actually go out and do other things and enjoy other things and that we actually are a little bit more well-rounded than we kind of make ourselves out to be. Except this week. Yes, this week we're, we're back on we're back on the sports stuff here. In it this Usually week. we do food or movies or TV shows or uh, something, but we're gonna do we're we're both doing collectible things this week. Uh, I'll do mine first, Joe, and then you can do yours. Okay. Yeah. So uh, mine is to our friend Sal Barry at Puck Junk PuckJunk.com. There he's a great uh, content creator in terms of uh, hockey stuff. He I don't Drew, did you get this? Did you see this? These yes, are, the bad hockey card the, uh, hall of fame thing. Yeah, the hockey junk junk card hall of fame. Did you get them? Yes, I did. Yeah, I got that. Totally surprised to see that end up in my mailbox. I saw it there. I'm like, what's Sal sending me here? Hold on a second. And yeah, I got that. All right. So, guys, if you want to get these, it's called uh bad hockey cards hall of fame. There's uh, I think there's five cards in the thing or six cards in the set, right? And he sends yes. it out to you. All you need to do is just go to go to puck junk puckjunk.com and you can get a free set of cards for nothing all you have to do is just tell him send him your address but also he has a new a weekly newsletter that he's starting so did you sign up for that drew i haven't yet but i'm going to be signing up for it here today when i get all my other stuff done yeah he has great content so if you're into hockey this is he's the guy sell barry puckjunk.com that is my ttm cast stamp for approval and he does it right he loves the sport he loves the cards he loves collecting he has a great podcast he has a great great site i know clemente writes firm uh and we see uh him at the national every year and he is a uh just a, a really interesting fun guy when it comes to hockey and he's a passionate guy so make sure you follow puckjunk.com go on there sign up for their newsletter sign up for their free bad hockey card hall of fame set uh and make sure you just check out his uh, podcast. My TTM cast stamp approval goes to Puck Junk. Nice. What do you got? All right. So mine for the week is a, uh, it's an article series from about 10 years or so ago. The fortune is still online. It's called sports cards for insane people. I may have mentioned it on here before as a stamp approval. I don't remember now, but I was really reading some of them this week. And I'm like, all right, yeah, we got to bring this up because if anybody out there has not read these, Go back and find them and read them. They came out around 2011, 2012 or so. It's on SB Nation, which is, you know, one of the best sports commentary sites that's out there. And it's written by John Boyce, who is absolutely hilarious. And John Boyce, you may also know, was the creator of the uh, the word and the idea of scoragami. And <laughs> scoragami is when you get into an NFL game and the final score is something that has never been a final score before. So the first time that a score happens ever in history is scoragami. So, for example, there are, just picking one at random, the best one I can think of. I mean, there's never been a game with like a final score of 72 to nothing. There's a 73 to nothing once, but there's never been a 72 to nothing. So if there was were to be a game this year where the final score is 72 to nothing, boom, you've got Scoragami. And so there's actually a Twitter feed called Scoragami that traces every NFL game. And it, like every time a point is scored, anytime, anytime somebody scores, anytime you get to the end of a quarter, it tells you what the chances, what the percent chances are of that game being a scoragami game, what the most likely scoragami is going to be, all that kind of stuff. And it's a it's a weird and interesting follow on Twitter. And he's the guy who came up with that idea. But he writes a lot for SB Nation, and he did this series, uh, most of the series called Sports Cards for Insane People. And it goes through like these junk era sets and 
picks a few of the cards out of there and does this random commentary on them. And it is absolutely hilarious. Like uh, he's done two of them on those Fleer Provisions cards where they took, uh, I think, 91 Fleer Baseball is the first one where they did it. They did it for baseball. They did it for uh, hockey or for not for hockey, for uh, basketball a couple years later. And they may have done a couple football ones as well. And it's got these like art cards of the players put into like weird situations is all I can really say. I mean, everybody I'm sure knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like you've got the Mike Greenwell one with this, not the green monster of Fenway behind it, but this like big green monster type thing lurking in the shadows behind him. It's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, the green monster. Okay, good one, guys. But he does like this whole series riffing on some of those cards. The score dream team subsets of the uh, like 91 to 93, where they've got like Kirby Puckett posing shirtless on a, on a card and Ricky Henderson sitting on top of a bunch of bases, also shirtless and posing there. The best one was uh, Doug Jones in the 91 set. They have him sitting there with a holding up a baseball that's on fire because, I mean, Doug Jones is a closer. He's got to be a flamethrower. No, Doug Jones had three speeds. They're slow, slower, and slowest. So yep. nice job by the sure. photographer to screw that one up. But uh, does this great commentary on all of them. And Doug Jones, I mean, you look at the guy, and he looks like like me, but way sadder, basically, in almost every photo. He's got the same mustache there, but he's always kind of got this mopey expression a little bit there. And so the commentary on there is like, hey, guys, you want to play some baseball? I brought <laughs> my baseball hat and my uniform and everything. Check it out. I haven't brought my baseball. Oh, it's on fire. Ding, dang it, y'all. My ball is on <laughs> fire. You can't play baseball with a baseball that's on fire. And a whole bunch of just like commentary and captions that are written like that to go along with these. But they did those ones. They did Skybox Thunder. They've done one on police-issued sets that is absolutely hilarious. The Fleer Emotion sets that they called the they call it the gas station cologne of cards. And <laughs> that one, that one is one of my favorite ones. I mean, the especially the one with uh Paul O'Neill had me absolutely just rolling laughing when I read it. So definitely go and check all of those out if you can find them. Just Google sports cards for insane people. And some of the names of the sets are, like I said, it's Fleer Provision, Score Dream Team, Skybox Thunder, Police Issued Sets, Fleer Emotion, Monsters of the Gridiron, Tops Big, Ultra Pro, and Metal Universe were the ones I was able to find just in a quick Google search there. But I wish they would do them all in one easy-to-find spot. Unfortunately, they haven't. I'll, I I might have to see if I can link them all somewhere else or something. But <laughs> That's my uh, Stanford approval for the week is uh, SB Nation Sports Cards for Insane People. That's it. Sports Cards for Insane People. Make sure you check that out. Thank you, Drew. That wraps up our TTMcast stamp approval. Next up is the Vern Rat Minute. Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp, who passed away uh, prior to me sending out a TTM request. We do this as a service to our fellow TTMers so you don't send out a TTM request to someone who has passed. And I've done that uh, three times now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a big dummy. But uh, we got so we, we lost a lot of people this week in the world of sports and celebrities. So uh, bear with us. Uh, first, we lost Sean Dawkins. Sean Dawkins was a first round pick by the 
Colts in uh, 1993 draft. He was 16th pick in the draft. He played for the Colts, the New Orleans Saints, Seattle, and Jacksonville from 93 to 2021. He last TTM'd in 2019. Sean, Sean Dawkins was only 52 years old. Uh, we lost a Lee Verstreit this week. Verstreit played uh, right wing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Scattered across the three years, the 82, 83, 84, 85, and 87, 88 seasons. A couple in between, probably down St. Catharines there in the AHL. Uh, Verstreet was not a TTMer. He was only 61 years old. We lost Harlan Carl. You may not recognize the name because Harlan played back in the 50s, but he was a halfback. He went to Wisconsin. He played in the 1953 Rose Bowl. And then he played for the Chicago Bears, and he played in the 1956 NFL Championship game. He played from 53 to 57. Uh, Harlan Carl did not have a TTM since 2001. He was 91 years old. Uh, we lost Jim Price this week. Price uh, was a catcher for the Detroit Tigers, played for them from 1967 to 71, was a catcher on the 1968 World Series winning team. After retirement, he became a broadcaster for the team and did that from somewhere in the 90s all the way up until fairly recently here. I think he may have also worked in the front office and did some coaching with them as well at various points. Um, he was a voice that I definitely remember hearing a lot because I've got family up in Michigan, used to go and spend summers up there. And so you always had Jim Price, Ernie Harwell, Al Kaline, and George Kell as your main guys calling the games there on TV and radio. Uh, Price last TTM'd in 2021. Excellent TTM up until that point. He was 81 years old. All right, we lost. I'm going to I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Xenon Andrusaishin. Close enough? I think so. It's pretty close. Okay. He was a punter and kicker. He went to UCLA. He played uh, pro football from 1971 to 1982. He played in Canada. He played uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He also played three years with the Tampa Bay Bandits of the USFL. He was not a TTMer. He was 76 years old. Uh, we lost Clifford Layton this week. Layton was a Negro League pitcher back in the 1940s and 50s. Played uh, in there from 1944 to 54. Uh, not known to be a TTMer. Clifford Layton, though, 93 years old. We lost Mel Roach. Mel Roach was a great TTMer. He was an infielder, outfielder. He had a 227 games in eight years with the Braves, Cubs, and Phillies from 53 to 62. Kind of your, uh, he was like a, a a defensive whiz, right? He was a, a yes. defensive whiz, not not much of a hitter, uh, but a great TTMer. He last TTMed in July of 2023. Mel Roach was 90 years old. Uh, we lost Gilles Gilbert this week. He was a longtime goaltender in the NHL, played for Minnesota, Detroit, and Boston in that time. 1969 is when he made his debut, played all the way through 1983, so 15 years there as an NHL goalie. Excellent TTMer as well. Uh, he was signing all the way up until his death, just about last the success we saw came in in August of this past year, which is, you know, this month here, so literally about a, just a matter of days before his death. Uh, Gilles Gilbert, 74 years old. We lost Ken Suarez. Ken, Ken Suarez, if you collected any cards in the 60s and early 70s, you probably got a Ken Suarez card, right, Drew? Yes. He's one of those guys that, that was hanging hang around. He was a catcher, backup catcher, mostly played for Cleveland, Texas, and the Angels from 67 to 74. Played in 295 ML games with 661 at-bats. He was a great TTMer. last TTMed in February of 2023. Ken Suarez was 80 years old. Uh, also, back in the hockey world again, we lost Bob Murdoch. Murdoch was a, a longtime both player and coach, 12 seasons as a player with the Kings and the Flames and uh, Montreal Canadiens from 1970 to 1981. 
won a pair of cups while he was playing in Montreal there as well. Upon retirement, went into coaching. He was the head coach for 10 seasons between Chicago and Winnipeg. Excellent TTMer throughout his life up until uh, December 2021 is when we have the last success on him there. But Bob Murdoch was 76 years old. In the world of entertainment, Drew, we lost Johnny Hardwick. Johnny Hardwick was the voice of Dale on King of the Hill. Uh, he was, I guess he was a friend of the creator and they got him to uh, be the voice. Uh, he was a comedian as well. Johnny Hardwick was 64 years old. Pocket sand. <laughs> we lost uh, Robbie Robertson this past week as well. Musician. He was a co-founder of the band. Of course, you know, legendary 70s and 80s group in there. Robbie Robertson, 80 years old. We lost Phil William Fried Friedkin. He was a director of The Exorcist. Great movie. Have you seen it? I never have. Not a big, not a big horror fan. I'm all. not either, but it was a really good film. Well, William Friedrich Friedkin was the director. He passed away. He was 87 years old. In the world of TV, we lost uh, Mark Margulis this week. He was an actor who was on Breaking Bad, played uh, Hector Salamanca in the, on the show. Uh, Mark Margulis, 83 years old. In the world of rock, rock music, we lost John Gosling, who was a keyboardist for the Kinks, which actually was my very first concert that I saw in the Boston nice. Garden. I believe it was 1980 or 81, right around there. Uh, John Gosling was 75 years old. And in the world of basketball, we lost a, few, a couple more, more people in, in the world of sports. We lost Henry Dickerson. He was a guard for Detroit Pistons and uh, the Hawks from 74 to 77. He ended up being a college coach as well. He was not a TTMer. Henry Dickerson was 71 years old. Uh, we lost Bobby Morgan this week. Morgan lived actually, I think if I remember, right, he was just over the border up in Oklahoma here for the last uh, few years of his life. But he's a former infielder. He played with the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. From 1950 to 1958, excellent TTM where he would sign for $5 typically. Bobby Morgan, 97 years old. And lastly, to close out the category, but this is in jeopardy, we lost Dan Hester. Dan Hester was an ABA center. He played with the Denver Rockets and the Kentucky Colonels in the ABA from 1970 to 71. He went to LSU and he played with Pete Maravich, which was pretty cool. He was a very good TTM. He last TTM'd in April of 2023. Dan Hester was 74 years old. Well, Drew, thankfully, that is the end of the Vern Rat Minute. We lost a lot of people in the world of sports and celebrity this week. Uh, we are sorry for your loss. Um, and I think that is it. All right, Drew. Next yeah. up, we will do a little TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM Returns. All right, Drew, TTM Returns. I got a bunch this week, so but you only had a few, so why don't you go and take it, and then I'll do mine if that works with you. That works just fine, yeah. So okay. I only had two that came in since uh, we last recorded on uh, last Saturday. Um, I mentioned one of them, at least, that was going to be coming in. I think I may have, may have mentioned the second one on the uh, Wednesday show this week, but... On uh, last Saturday, after we recorded, I got Bruce Driver back in the mail, former defenseman for, let's see here. He was mostly with the Devils, also played with the Rangers. Let me see if he played for anyone else in that time. Devils, just the Devils and Rangers, it looks like. But uh, sent four cards off to him. He signed those uh, in about a two-month turnaround, including a 1988-89 Tops card for my set. Uh, I also got Doug Solomon back. I believe he came in on Tuesday, if I remember right. Solomon, another defenseman that played for the uh, Devils at one point, or actually, no, not, he was a winger, played for the Devils, the Whalers, the Rangers, and a couple other teams as well throughout his career. I think the, Phil or the Philadelphia Flyers were one of them. 
He's up in Canada, sent three cards to him. He signed those with about a one-month turnaround. So nice quick uh, quick response there. Anytime you send to Canada, you can get it back in under a month. That is a major win in my book right there. So a couple of quick returns right there, a couple of set hits to add in there. And I think, like I said, I'm up to, I think I'm at 53 or 54 now for the 1988-89 uh, top set there. So a little over that, a quarter of the weight. That's awesome, Drew. Yeah. So yeah, fairly kind of a slow week, but hey, a couple set hits in there and a lot of in-person stuff. So I really can't uh, can't complain much there. Do you have a bunch going out? You get a bunch you want to send out? Um, I've got stuff I still need to write. I've got a few that are written, just need to be enveloped. So I'm going to hopefully get those out here in the next uh, next couple of days. Well, it's 100 million degrees out, so we might as well stay in the uh, air conditioning and get some TTMs done, right? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I do here when it's it's rainy or snowy. I'm like, okay, it's a TTM day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I've had a couple, I've had good returns. I'm a little worried because I haven't sent anything out in two weeks, but uh, I think I had 11 or 12 returns this week. So we'll run down them quickly. I got um, two Bruins on, uh, this is the year you're collecting, I believe, uh, 80, 89 tops, right? Yep. The big thumbtack set there. Yeah. Well, these are 80, 1980, uh, 1988, 89 Opeachy. I got two Bruins. I got Reggie Lemelin and Bob Joyce. Those both took I don't know, less than two weeks, and they came back, both of them signed in a uh, nice black Sharpie or blue Sharpie, so it looks great. Baseball, I got a bunch of baseball. I got Scott Fletcher, who played for a bunch of teams, including the White Sox. He signed his 87 and 86 tops cards for me, um, and that I sent down to Georgia, and that took a couple weeks, but I'm happy to get that back. I got Tom Kelly, manager for the uh, Minnesota Twins. Is he all in the Hall of Fame, Drew? He's not, but I think he should be. I, I mean, two so World too. Series is a mid-win manager and a couple thousand wins, I think, just in general. I think he should be in. So I got I got him. I think he signed two cards for me. I got two cards in the thing here. Uh, Reed Brignac, who played for the Tampa Bay Rays on his 2011 Tops card. Kind of cool to get that one back. He signed in a black Sharpie with his number. I got this one back from Juan Gonzalez, and I don't – it's a – scorecard i think who it is oh no it's a tops card okay it's a tops 1988 tops 19 uh i'm sorry not 1998 tops insert card i don't remember i don't know i never saw this card before i'm gonna sliding into home plate you see it drew Okay, yeah, I can kind of, yeah, I can't see the bottom there. No, okay, it's um, it's one of the stadium club years, I think it looks like based on okay. the uh, I can't see but, the bottom of it there, but yeah, yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I it's not the card I sent him, but he signed it. Oh, okay, <laughs> he signed it, got it back. I got this one, I love this is kind of cool. It's in 1952, um, Tops Design, Adam Kennedy. Oh, yeah, signed it, um. And he signed it in a couple of weeks in blue Sharpie. I got this one. I really love these cards. They're uh, upper deck vintage. I've seen these, Drew. Oh, They're... yeah. So I got Pete Harnish on an upper deck vintage card. I, I might look to, to see if I can pick up a, you know, a bunch of commons on these. I think these mm -hmm. came out. These look really nice. Upper Deck did some really cool stuff there in the late 90s, early 2000s. Their vintage sets and their 40 man sets. So it was, I mean, yeah, I mean it's a Upper nice, Deck 40 man is my favorite, is one of my all time favorite products. It's a nice heavy stock and it's a white stock and the autograph looks great he did it in blue sharpie uh came out really nice and then i got a couple 1973 top fo football cards back dave elmendorf who played a safety for the rams he signed it in blue pen i got horace jones who signed it in uh, blue pen as well he played defensive end for the raiders and then jim Kadi Kadiel, who played for the 
uh, Bears. He was a guard. He signed it in blue pen as well. So I got three 1973 Topps football cards back. So that is my returns for the week. And uh, very, very happy. Make sure you follow, uh, check out my article on Sports Collectors uh, Daily. My weekly article, I usually I have all my returns in there with pictures of everything. So make sure you follow that. Usually comes out on uh, like Tuesday or Wednesday. So make sure you follow my weekly article on Sports Collectors Daily. All right, Drew, I think that wraps up returns. Yeah. Um, let's put a poll on this show and, and, and close it out, okay? Sounds good. All right, wrapping things up. First, I want to thank Clemente Lise for joining us. I want to thank Wally Jones for joining us. Wally Wonder Jones. Hey, check out Shoots for the Stars Legends. They are in Philadelphia. Um, you can, they're, they're always looking for help. And I uh, told Wally that I'd mentioned it on the podcast. So make sure uh, if you want to help out underprivileged kids in Philadelphia, shoot for the Stars Legends. Check that out. Also want to thank Larry Hand, who was on our Wednesday show from the Detroit Lions. Hopefully you enjoyed our interview with Larry. Make sure you check that out as well. This Wednesday, we have Dale Carrier from the uh, Kentucky Colonels and Memphis Tams. He's an all-time leading three-point uh, shooter. He's on, on the all-ABA team. He was a three-time ABA All-Star. Uh, he was in the back, same backcourt as Louis Dampier. Him and Louis averaged 20 points a game for three years in a row. So he's... Uh, Daryl Carey is a, a very good player, was a very good player, and he's a very good interview. That will be coming out on Wednesday. I am heading to the Red Sox game today. Uh, Drew, what do you got pl- planned for today? Anything fun? Laundry. That's about it, unfortunately. Laundry. So, Drew's doing laundry, yep. and he's going to write some TTMs, right? And he's going to do, do his homework. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I got to crank out a few of those. All right, buddy, you be good. I'm going to try to send out some TTMs Monday or Tuesday, and uh, I've got uh, – I think I have – five interviews scheduled for Tuesday. So we got a lot, a lot of cool shows coming up. Um, we interviewing a lot of different types of people and that uh, we always, uh, you know, if you want to be on the show, right. You want to be on the show and you want to uh, be in collector's corner. All you have to do is send us an email to TTMcast at yahoo.com. And don't forget you can register our, to win a car card cradle. All you have to do is uh, send us an email, please. I need your email and your mailing address by Tuesday at say about two o'clock is that well Joe and I will pick the winner Tuesday night and uh, announce it on our Wednesday show so if you want to win a card cradle just send us your name and your mailing address to ttmcast at yahoo.com put card cradle in the subject line and lastly if you want 10 bucks from collects just send us your name your username with from collects and your email address and uh, they'll credit you ten dollars in your account you can buy it uh, cards from uh collects marketplace i actually just bought a um, tom brady card for five dollars that i did not have so um looking forward to getting that and i officially spent my ten dollars nice (laughs) so make i got i got a tom brady card two brian rocker cards and a fred lynn card all for 10 Mm. bucks not bad nice that is definitely good guys get you 10 bucks all you have to do is send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com all right, Drew, that is it. We have a nice long show this week. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Make sure you tune in on Wednesday for Daryl Carrier. That is it, everyone. Be good. I wish everyone many happier turns. We'll see you on Wednesday.